All right, you bunch of yahoos, strap yourselves in for another episode of Dan and Don's Toxic Masculinity. In other words, shut up, sit up, and pay attention. And welcome back to another episode of Toxic Masculinity. We, I'm here with my co-hosts, none other than the the, the master of all men. You know, the the, the, the <laughs> women that they they they, they melt in his hands, and we're not talking like milk the duds or anything like that. We've got the predator, Don Fry, and his co-host here, Dan to be severed. Toxic masculinity. We're here to offend, defend anybody and everybody. These are simply our opinions. If you if you get your butt hurt, well, put on your man panties here and, and move along here right now. We're we're not here for the, the, the pussification of this world. We're here to try to make men men. And, and we our special guest here today is none other than Frank Jasper, but I didn't really know him as Frank Jasper. I mean, when we were talking about the movie Vision Quest, I simply knew him as that 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 uh, character shoots. The dastardly, the the dastardly, that, that, yeah. the dastardly evil character, you know, inv- invincible. What? Yeah, you were, you were, come on, man. You're carrying a log on your shoulders yeah. up and down. You're, you're yeah. just a bad dude. Shit. Yep. But the line, I think the line that you said again, uh, correct me if I'm wrong about this, Frank, was you when you look at uh, um, okay, what was uh, what was his the actor's name that did Matthew Bodine? Is Loud and Swain was the character's name? But what was his what was his name? It was Loud and Swain was his character's name. Yeah, Loud Loud Swain. When you look at Loud Swain, I think really all you said was, "Are you going to make weight?" I think that was really your, your, your line there to him. Uh, I hope you make it, right? I said, well, I, you know, I said, think you'll make the weight. And he says, I hope so. And I said, I hope so, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, but but yeah, hey, I have to address this. I have to address this with Don because, you know, he said I was the, the you know, the evil guy, the, t- the mean guy. And it was like, or the weird guy or the, the badass guy in there. Yeah, yeah, I was tough. Yeah, I was like just reflecting uh, what usual wrestlers go through and what they have to put in to actually show up at a state, you know, tournament to win it. You're going to have to go the extra mile. I'm just serious, straight on wrestling head. Now, Matthew Modine's character, you know, loud and swaying, you know, he was sniffing a girl's panties, trying to force himself on her. I mean, how many, how, how many inappropriate things do you want to like say about this guy? And then look at look at my character who's just doing his thing out there, and he gets interrupted in the middle of a workout. And with him and his, he brings his buddy with him, like he's gonna try and like. Wait, wait, wait! Are you trying? Are you trying to be the victim here? I'm not a victim. <laughs> I'm just saying I'm not the bad guy. You need oh to reevaluate this movie, guys. Uh, who is who is the 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 guy that's not the good guy here? Would you ever be caught doing that, sniffing a girl's panties in front of her, I hope or trying not. to force yourself on her, or in them, like no. show up at some guy's well, workout and harass you? Know, you know, for, that for I Frank, do. We don't have enough time. We don't have enough time to talk about that, all the issues here right now. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that has been caught there a few times. So. Mm. <laughs> Oh, yeah, but, but they're, no, usually, was... they're usually in them, though. That's, that's... <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, Vision Quest was that movie that, I mean, I ran, I ran wrestling camps all during this time frame. When that came out, it, it's kind of going, that was the mainstay that, you know, usually on that Saturday night, you know, you do a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, on that Saturday night after a grueling workout, stuff like that, 
they're all going to get you're going to get the, that popcorn out and stuff like that for them, and they're going to be watching you know Vision Quest because that was a wrestler's movie right there, and you just can't help but just yeah, set your goals, try to work hard, try to do things, but you get you know I I would have agreed with the way that that the the scenario it kind of kind of portrayed you as more like. The, the evil character, but at the same time, as you as you express what you just said right there, I think it really it makes more sense because you were just that invincible character that you were out there winning. Yeah, right. a, a man of really a, of not a lot of words. You just put right. your your work in, and then you when you look at what the interaction was, you are I mean, other than the match itself, it just shows you you know the first time just climbing up, up you know going up up, up these uh, bleachers. With the log on your shoulder. Yeah, uh, with, with the, the log, because he had went out to the forest and destroyed a tree, an innocent tree that's just sitting there trying to oh. make air air for the people and the animals. And probably there's probably a squirrel up in, in that there. tree. Yeah. Uh, there's a squirrel up in a tree, a bird's nest there too. And he Animal rights. It, uh... He ripped it down just to get a workout. What an evil. <laughs> what an evil man. <laughs> <laughs> You're I, gonna, I, Don, you're I, I, Don, I didn't realize you're such a tree hugger there, Don. Yeah, I didn't realize that. You're gonna Don, make, man, you're gonna make, you know, hey. you know uh, women and half women or three quarter women, one of there nowadays, <laughs> make them cry all over the place. <laughs> or, or, or the he she's do a lot of crying. Yeah, there absolutely, too. absolutely. Yeah. You just got to know what side of what side of fence that, that they are. It's just nobody can uh, give a definition of a woman unless they're a biologist, you know. <laughs> Yeah, and Webster just about got uh, taken out for doing that. Wasn't there was somebody went after the person that was de- that wrote the definition of a woman in Webster's dis- dictionary? Oh, really? Somebody came after her. That's some crazy <laughs> stuff out there. Oh, there's nuts out there. People are nuts. It's, cr- it's yeah. insane. That's that's but, a good uh, thing. Old... That's a good thing about this show. <laughs> right. So now we're into 37 years of Vision Quest. That is just insane, right? But isn't that cool? I mean, did you ever think that a movie like this that you'd be getting uh, still feedback and stuff like that about something like this particular movie? I mean, again, I don't know what other movies you've done because we're going to delve into that because I'm curious as to how you got picked for this this role in the whole nine yards. But did you do other movies before this first? Before this, absolutely not. I was an athletic trainer at Eastern Washington University. And I was in uh, pre-med, uh, pre-med, and so I was taking classes, starting in the morning, lunch. Um, then I go to the, you know, to the training room, and I was there until late at night. We had to put in 4,000 hours. So besides my pre-med courses, then I was in the athletic training room for 4,000 hours. And then after I finished dinner, I'd go study for two hours, and then I'd go to the gym. And I was a bodybuilder for three years prior to this movie being shot. And so I was, I had done about two years of bodybuilding prior to going to Eastern. And then I just really got into my bodybuilding, <clears throat> lifting, and um, I got up to 215 pounds. And that's when they got, they uh, connected with me. And the, the way you asked, how did I get found for that? Well, because they were filming in Spokane, um, there was one of the wrestlers that was in at East, going to school at Eastern Washington. He was uh, supposed to be wrestling that semester. But he got uh, a role in the movie. He's an extra. His name is Rick Thiefault. And you'll see him in the back in the classroom. You'll see him in the back to the right-hand side, right behind Matthew. Or you'll see him in the wrestling room. So he's he's in the movie. 
as extra. And uh, I was sitting there reading my textbook and he came in to practice and um, said, hey, I'm in this movie, this wrestling movie in Spokane that they're shooting. And I said, oh, okay, great. You know, the last movie they shot there was Why Would I Lie? And I don't know if you either one of you ever heard of that. No, no. Probably no, not. So I'm, I'm thinking like, oh, wow, a movie's going to get shot in Spokane. Good luck, pal. <laughs> you know, um, and he's talking about the movie. And then he says, you know what? They're still looking for somebody. Uh, six foot tall, blonde hair, muscular build that can wrestle. And he goes, he goes that's you. And I said, no, no, no. He says, no, you, no, you just, you got to go check this out. They're You're just, perfect for it. They only have two lines. <laughs> yeah, well, I, he didn't even tell me they had lines. See, I just thought they need a wrestler. And I think, okay, I'm paying for my education. I'm going to go make some money and see how a movie gets made. I'll be a wrestler in the background. Perfect. So I go in for my audition. She hands me sides. And I'm like, wow, he never told me this. <laughs> I've never had any practice. I've never done any theatrical or, you know, drama classes. And so I just, I just did what she told me to do. And when I messed up, I kind of laughed and thought I was, you know, cause I was nervous. And she goes, we're looking for intensity here. If you mess up, you just continue on as if nothing happened. Got it? I'm like, oh, okay. oh wow. Oh, there we go. She, right? she came down on you. Yeah, she came down. She was about five foot two, you know. <laughs> little little lady, but she was like, This is what we're looking for. So I read the lines with her one more time. And so then she picked up her phone and called Harold Becker, who was the director, um, who's done some great films. I think read on uh uh, the onion field and um, he was taps he did the, you know he kind of discovered I think uh, I think that was one of uh, Tom Cruise's first movies where he was actually you know had a major role had a decent role in there so uh, that Timothy Hutton Sean Penn I mean come on there's some great actors in there um, anyway the director so we walk over to his office I walk in there and he looks at me and he goes and he takes the sides out of my hand. He goes, you know, the lines now I've read, like read the lines with her like two or three times max. Luckily they're not big monologues. Right. So I just somehow remember the lines. We did it. Great. He says, okay, let's see if you can wrestle. So then I had to go out and wrestle for cash stone who was running that, you know, all the wrestlers and all those wrestlers, by the way, were state champions, former wrestlers for Mead, et cetera. So every one of those wrestlers in the wrestling room were wrestlers. And so that's oh. part of what makes it real is you see wrestlers practicing, you know, you get to see the practice room, what they're doing. You get to see the inside back, you know, doing pull-ups and sit-ups and, you know, moves, stuff that they have to do that, you know, we just kind of take it for granted. They show up and wrestle, right? But they kind of showed how tough it is. And like she said, Man, this room smells like, and it do, and they do. Yeah, it smells the same as the locker room. Yeah. yeah. How how warm was that wrestling room though? That room was it was toasty. Everybody was sweating. Uh, anyway, but it's you know, and that's what happens is when you close those doors and everybody starts working out, that room gets hot. You know. Yeah. You don't even have to put heat in it. Yeah, usually I think Arizona State's wrestling room, I think, was always set at a thermostat of around 90, 90 some de degrees. Wow. To where as you open that door, it's like going, I, I, you, you feel like you're starting to walk, step inside of a sauna. Yeah, right. it's nasty. Right. And it, and, and, but I used, to, I used to grade my workouts by how many gray shirts I would sweat through. Right. Standard 
would be two. Now, I don't mean just a little ring underneath the arms, a little ring around the neck. I mean, I'm talking about if you just pull out the wash machine and yeah. it hasn't gone through the ringer here yet. Yeah. Or, or I should say ringer. That most young people know. Uh, it hasn't gone through a spin cycle. There we go. Right. Spin there cycle. You go. And then, the, but on a really hard workout, three. I mean, it just sucked wow. me through to where I would lose between seven to 10 pounds yeah. per workout. Yeah. And I'm still drinking water. Yeah, and sure. Lose that much weight. So. Yeah, intensity. Wrestlers are very intense athletes. A lot of workout right there. Now I had actually, I ended up having to do five auditions for this. And so when I, after I showed that I could wrestle and I actually had a mustache at the time, I shaved my mustache off. Then I had to come back and read for the producers that were flying up from LA. Now, so here's the deal. They had cast this role twice before. Neither one of those guys worked out. They're two and a half weeks out. They have to find this character because they're going to shoot in two and a half weeks. So the wow. uh, uh, Nancy Clopper was the, the casting director and she had cast these other two guys. They didn't work out. So she found another person in LA. His name is Frank Zagarino, who's done other movies as well. Had a good, had a good career there in LA and uh, tall, six foot, six foot one, lean, muscular, could wrestle. He actually had a good wrestling technique. So they flew him in. And so I had to come in and do, um, uh, the scene with for the producers, which was uh, Peter Goober and uh, John Peters. And so I showed up. And so I'm having to convince them. They like this guy from L.A. The director likes me. So I have to convince them I'm the guy. Right. So I walk in over there uh, the hallway. Harold comes out, meets me. Harold Becker meets me in the hallway. He goes, when you come in here, he says, I want you to stay intense the entire time you're in here. Got it. He smacks me on the side of the face. And I just turned around. And I go, got it. He goes, that's what we're looking for. So then I wait a couple of shakes. They let me in. And I'm sitting there doing my dark, you know, just, just keeping a straight face. And I like, like, yeah, I got it. Yeah, you're a bleeder. Yeah. You know, so I'm doing my lines with this woman who's reading the lines in front. And every time she finishes the lines, she goes, like this, you know. And, and so after I finished, I stayed in character. I finished, I walked out and said to my casting director, I said, did I look foolish? I mean, did I look ridiculous? I have no idea, right? And she goes, no, why? I said, well, because every time I did a line, she just kind of like rolled her eyes like I like it was completely stupid or ridiculous. She didn't know what I was doing. She goes, no, no. She wants her guy to get the role. She was trying to trip you up. I was like, oh, okay. So this shit is on, right? So now... Now what's left is that that guy went in and did the audition and then we had to go to the set because the coach that had signed off on my wrestling abilities need to see this guy. So we go to the set, they stop filming, they have a mat there, the crew gets around. And so this guy and I step out on the mat and the coach goes single leg and I do a single leg and then he does a single leg, double leg and a duck under and a pole. And, and so we just went back and forth, back and forth. At one point he picked me up and I knew he didn't have his balance quite right. So I just kind of leaned forward a little bit and he kind of stumbled with me on his back, you know, and I was like, this is how we're going to play this game. And we're going to, you know, I'm going to get my, get my shot in here. And so when we finished, I waited about 10 minutes and John Peters came over and he goes, okay, you got the role kid. Very nice work. You know, and every time I looked over and you were gritting and staring at me, he goes, that's what I'm looking for right there. So there it is. Wow. That was crazy. What sure. other what other yeah. movies? What other movies you been in through the years? Uh, so I 
ended up, you know, leaving, leaving uh, Eastern Washington. I, so, I, so I got to back up a little bit because I, sh I did vision quest. We shot for 10 weeks. I was at 215, as I mentioned to you, I was a bodybuilder and I was weighing 215 pounds. I see in the, in the um, script, oh, they're resting at 168. I'm thinking, what the hell are they thinking I'm going to do with this? Right. So they said, you kind of need to drop some weight so you're closer to his size. So I go on a screaming tear, a cut, like no other cut I've done before. And I dropped 25 pounds in two and a half weeks. Jeez. Wow. And I basically ate, you know, like egg whites for breakfast. I had a salad with some tuna, a squeeze of lemon for lunch. And I got on an exercise bike for, bike for an hour for dinner. That's, that's how I did for like the two and a half weeks. And I dropped 25 pounds, two and a half weeks. I was starving. I could actually feel my delts breaking down, catabolizing so they could actually feed my body because I was starving it, you know? Yeah, wow. And um, I actually weighed in the human uh, potential room at uh, I submerged in water. I weighed 4% body fat at that time. So we shot for 10 weeks. I stayed at that weight. Done. I went back to school. Three months later, I get a call. Hey, we got one more scene to do. <laughs> yeah, you think that's funny? <laughs> Now I'm at 217 because I've, I've gotten back up after three months. I'm back to getting ready for this contest, bodybuilding contest. I'm at 217 now. So I, I, tell, I tell the director, like, hey, I'm at 217. He goes, start dropping weight. And I said, okay, I had, a, I had a month this time. So I got down to the weight. That was the weigh-in scene. So they added the weigh-in scene. I don't know if they didn't get it the first time or what happened. Didn't get it. Go back to school. Three months later, I get a phone call. Hey, we got one more scene to do. Now I'm, oh. at now I'm at 225. And I'm and I said to him, I am not going down to 189 pounds. I will go down to 200. I'll drop 25 pounds, but I'm not going down any further than that. That was the bathroom scene where you're a bleeder and I was wearing a jean jacket. So it covered up a little bit of my size. So that was that was the movie. And I went back to school. Waited, waited, waited. It came out the following year. I got a call from an agent. Hey, we like the work in the movie. We, we'd want to represent you. So that's when I went to LA. And I threw everything in my 280ZX and everything fit. That's all I had. My brother was here and I slept on the floor of his of his uh, room in his, in this house with this group of guys until I could find my own place and I started taking acting classes and I would start I started going to class four nights a week 6 to midnight 6 to midnight for I did that for a year and then I started going four nights to uh, five nights a week 6 to midnight for the next 2 years and during that time I I got another movie uh, like a TV show a, a national commercial and I started working up at Universal Studios. I started doing a live action show called Conan. I don't know if you guys remember the Schwarzenegger movie, but they had a reenactment show up at Universal Studios called Conan Experience. I don't remember that at all. Oh, the Conan yeah. Experience. Huh. Yeah. So we got to fight with swords. And I wasn't actually Conan. I was actually just one of the swordsmen in this, in this production. So, but it was a very cool event that they could do because they had a it had a down to where the the young conan came out there 
and he did a few things around the stage. And then he went out when he was being threatened by this, this eye of Mordor, whatever. He went out onto this platform and there was a sword there. So he's going to grab the sword. So he picks his sword up and he stands there like this. And then this white air mist comes up and blows up like this. And then all of a sudden it drops and he's changed. He's now this big Conan. So it does oh, wow. transformation right on stage there that it really kind of was cool. So that's that's what I did for another two and a half years. But I um, I just felt like I just burnt myself out. I wasn't feeling, I wasn't taking good care of myself. I was doing this, the actor thing, meaning I was not sleeping enough, not eating enough food, you know, not taking good care of myself. I was doing things around the clock. I was working at UPS graveyard shift, you know, to make ends meet. So I would go midnight to eight, fall asleep, get up, go to my additions, then at like six o'clock, I would go to my acting class. So I'd be six to midnight acting class, midnight to eight in the morning, like working. So I just kind of burnt myself out. So I walked away from it, got myself an education, went back to uh, studying health. And so I got a master's degree in oriental medicine. And my wife and I started a clinic for 27, last 27 years in Pacific Palisades. So I I had no connection to the wrestling community for almost 27 years. Then my friend Scott Glab asked me to come and hand out some trophies and some, you know, medals to his tournament that started back into the, you know, the wrestlers world. And then I started making some shirts and started promoting the, you know, U S um, world cup there in, in Los Angeles. And that's how I got started back, back connecting to the wrestlers. And for the last five, six years, it's been a lot of fun. Wow. Pretty crazy, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, the, the uh, just, I mean, what, just live that lifestyle of the, the starving actor. I mean, you were living the lifestyle of that starving actor where it's like going, these gigs don't come along just all the time. You just see, you, you have some long dry spells. I mean, did you have, did you have an agent that was working on your behalf or? Oh yeah, I had everybody that was there. I had a, I had a manager, an agent, even I, there was i actually had a uh, modeling agent as well so at a commercial agent and a theatrical agent that was i had all the guys and they're wow. they getting me out there um and i started to do really good in some of the auditions but it's you know it's it's like okay what are you going to do are you going to try and go wrestle in an mma match if you've never you know been trained so i had to go through the whole training i had did it backwards i got the big movie and then i went in to go to do training um but anyway, like I said, it was, it was, I love doing the live show up at Universal Studios. That was a lot of fun because then you get the instant response back. It's and, yeah. Yeah. And I love doing acting classes. I mean, cause we had to, we had to put some, I put something up every single night, something I was working on some play or some monologue or something. You're always working and you're there from six to midnight and you're not always on the stage. So you got to sit there and watch other people do their thing too, you know? So long days, long nights. Wow. Well, don't envy that. Well, that's well, I mean, both dad and I shared the, uh, the, the long days, long nights, but just in, in different types of ways of, of how we've had to travel and how we've had to, uh, you know, like the lifestyle of a professional wrestler. I mean, as you were actually describing what you're doing, it reminded me a lot of, of, of the, the career of, of most professional wrestlers. I mean, you're you're always on the road traveling. You're, uh, you know, 
at the time I was working uh, with uh, the WWF at the time, I think the average worker was working 200 and uh, I think uh, 200 plus date, uh, dates uh, a year. Wow. And I mean, when you look at, when you add travel in, travel to, travel back from, you're on the road longer than, more than what you're ever, ever at home. Yeah. And in each day that you're waking up in a new city, and then you have to get from one city to the next city to the next city because you're mm-hmm. you're doing a live uh, you do a live Monday night raw. And then there's a Tuesday night taping that you're doing some someplace else, usually in the same area. But uh, it's a uh, it's it's not a it's not an easy lifestyle. You know, anything that you try to do in, in the acting area, I, I didn't know what you had gone through with this and. Uh, I, I simply, the you know, first time that, that I had a chance to speak with you, I learned a lot about your your nutritional background, what you're doing currently, and, and to me that that really intrigued me a, a lot right there because you do a lot with holistic type medicines too, don't you? Yeah, well, I'm a I'm a, I have a master's degree in Oriental medicine. Um, I've been fascinated with nutrition ever since I started bodybuilding because it's a big part of bodybuilding, and and as as wrestlers wrestlers should be at the forefront of nutritional knowledge as far as i'm concerned because we've been doing this uh way too long way too stupid as far as i'm concerned because if you think about why i don't know if you wrestled in high school or (laughs) if you wrestled in high school but they just did stupid things they they would drop you know like 10 15 pounds like right before the match they would dehydrate. They would, di- you know, diet really hard. Then they would be up exercising all night to make weight. And it's like, hey, you're going to battle, and you're going to like dehydrated. You're depleted, and you're not haven't got enough rest, and you don't have enough nutrition. How are you going to perform? That just makes it just makes no sense to me whatsoever, right? Yeah, I, I cut weight. I shit. One time I had to cut uh, twenty or. Er- 17, 20 pounds, um, you know, every other week I'd do it because one year I wrestled 167 and 190. And uh, myself and uh, Dennis, geez, now I can't remember Dennis's last name, God damn, from Arizona State. And uh, we would switch, you know, 6790. I don't know, whoever coach, coach thought this guy, you know, I could beat this guy. And Dennis to beat this guy, and then the next right. week, I, you know, so that's how that went. So I've, I've reframed that, hopefully, uh, and and I, I think I, that we spoke a little bit about this, but I worked with uh, Nick Suriano for over a year uh, leading up to the NCAAs, and we really refined his diet to just be so specific, and we're able to come in with a certain kind of awareness, knowledge, shifting from a glycogenic kind of a, you know, format of like carb loading before a match to being more ketogenic adapted. We don't keep them in ketosis the whole time. It's in and out, in and out. So you'll do intermittent fasting, be in state of ketosis, train really hard. That actually activates your HGH. It gives your body a chance to burn every bit of fat for energy. If you do that, if you train at the end of your intermittent fast, then we also would then give him some carbs midday. So you start to kind of get the depletion, get the glycogen back in the body. But then we would kind of redo this uh, at time and time again. And so his body's going down, but he's not burning muscle. He's not breaking down his muscle. He doesn't have to be completely dehydrated. You know, we brought in specific ketone esters. I brought in molecular um, hydrogen molecular water. I'm doing these 
these high-end electrolytes that are marine-based plasma. So it's like this all, everything, every hour we had him taking a specific nutrient prepping. And then as soon as he finished, we would feed his body back again. And if you look at him, not only did he have his, his, his power, his endurance, his speed, but he was also sweating during the matches. You look at that kid, he was still sweating. So you knew he wasn't dehydrated either. Yeah, I say most wrestlers are, 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 are just as like you said before, they're right? they, they, they starve themselves. I've actually watched weigh-ins where the athlete has stayed on the scales and literally he, he is out. He's standing there and, and the coaches actually have like their fingers pointed out just trying to keep him balanced so he doesn't tip more left or right and just try to make weight. And uh, I've I witnessed that many, many times. And, uh, but I, you know, I, I bounce a lot of like, like weight the way that the Don said that on a weekly basis that you're, you're doing a competition almost every weekend somewhere, or you might have a Wednesday night dual meet. Then you got to, you got to weigh in for a uh, Saturday tournament or something like that. So it was always kind of tough to, to maintain that light weight class. Cause I, you know, in high school, I played football at two and a quarter and I wrestled at 185. Yeah. You know, by wow. the time you, you get to college, I mean, just like you just said, I, I, I want to educate myself. Yeah. So, I mean, I took a nutrition class. So I know that everything I put in my body is going to make me the ultimate wrestler, taking a weightlifting class so that I knew how to design weightlifting uh, programs for wrestling, taking a junior class so I can learn to use my, my feet like an extra pair of arms. And just by doing all that stuff, it worked for me. Uh, because I, 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 I did very, very well for myself my freshman year, but the dead, it's, uh, but the, the weight cutting, cut, it just, it just, oof, you're always bouncing because they're, you know, now in the off season, I, I, I build a lot more heavier lifting weight. So now in the off season, I might be getting up to around 250 and now yeah. getting down to the 195 weight class. Yeah. That's, that's rough. Yeah. It's a lot of work. And you know what? You can do it, but you have to really give your body that time. I, I tell people, it's like, you know, it depends. If you got 10 pounds, you get more than 10 pounds. You need to have at least two months, if not more, to get down and be at your set weight. I actually, that's how what I ring. You want to be out there at two weeks at your weight and be like locked into that weight, understand that weight and how you can move up and down from that prepping into the match, you know? So, you know, um, this is, this is where we have to go. We have to go with better knowledge about how to do that the right way so we don't have somebody standing on the scale about ready to pass out or they're completely dehydrated because it takes about three days to completely rehydrate. So you're not going to get that back in there. And so it's, it's like you're not going to be at your level. I, I can't tell you how many times I've listened to different posts in Facebook where I, yeah, I did really good. And then I did this really hard cut for this thing. And then I had no energy and I completely got destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, duh. So we, we need to change that. We need to change the mentality uh, from the coaches, the kids, the parents we need to have everybody on board and understand this. Um, so I actually, I did a year's worth of podcasts where I did one podcast a week on nutrition. It was just a quick hit about five to eight minutes, 10 minutes. Uh, we put it out on, on uh, a few different platforms. It was done by competitive edge, the company I was working with at the time. And I got a really some nice response back. I just, I'm trying to educate, you know, the, the general public and the, and the wrestlers as much as possible. And I'm kind of excited because the, the coach from Michigan has reached out to me and really would like to bring the, the this understanding into his team, you know, to work with the entire team. 
And um, I've also spoken to the, the uh, Stanford coach, who's uh, one, of the, one of the parents of one of the kids that's on the team is like, engaged me and says, let's, let's get my son involved. And then maybe also consider, let's get Stanford involved as well. So I've got a couple of college teams that are, that are looking to bring in some really high-end nutrition that's going to really help their team, their athletes. I mean, I know that, that uh, Nick sparked a lot of, of uh, you know, what happened there for Michigan going into big tens being, you know, this guy that's in the, in the room, that's working super hard, that's making weight and showing up every time and driving everybody. Well, I was listening to, I think it was flow sport radio on who's going to win big tens. Michigan was not, was not mentioned. Michigan was not mentioned this year, you know, to win that. So the fact that every one of their wrestlers wrestled above their seeds and made that happen. And then they showed up Penn state pulled it around as you, as you might guess, like Cal gets his team fired up and you know that if they get in the semis and the finals, they're going to win. These guys do not lose when they get into the semis and finals. Um, But they ended up winning NCAAs. Michigan was second. So huge, huge year for them. Yeah, no, that that was it's we'll get it. I kind of I, you know I'm happy because I'm I'm a, I'm a Michigander, so I always kind of root. I, I I never see me choose Michigan State or Michigan over each other. I've actually worked camps for both uh, locations. Mm-hmm. I'm just always happy just to see a Michigan school doing well for themselves. But then also being the fact that with the Arizona State, you know, the fact I think Arizona State finished up fourth, I, I believe this uh, this past NCAA. So yeah, they did good. Uh, yeah, they, they were they actually leading the tournament at one point. Yeah, they, they've they've done well uh, basically from I'll say that 1976 time era on. I mean that's when Bobby Douglas was at at the helm as the head wrestling coach, and I mean he was just he was a recruiting machine bringing in all kinds of people at, at that point, and uh, he was just a good coach, good 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 technician. He's a great you know? yeah, he's phenomenal, just phenomenal, you know. Because mm-hmm. but again. He had a very unique build because there, there'd be sometimes I mean I'd be exhausted and he'd he'd get up on top and be there. It's kind of going, I just where is he creating all this leverage on me? But if you just he just he he knew how to use his body, but he also had the way his body was was, was uh, he had long arms, he had a short short torso and stuff like that, and long legs legs. He knew how to use his body well. And that's what you find out real quick that 150 pounds can come packaged a lot of different ways. It can be tall, skinny like a stick. Or it can be yeah. short and thick, like a little fire hydrant, and uh, you know most people fall somewhere in between there. Because I know that that to, to learn how to be quicker than that, I would roll with little Billy Rosado. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. The the lightest weight class and at, at, at collegiate type at that point was 118 pound weight class. That 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 weight class has been done away with. To where now the lightest weight class I think is 125. 125. Yeah. Yes. One, yep. And so it was. Uh, I used to, but Billy Rosado even at 118. He was he was underweight because he he competed internationally at the 105 and a half pound weight class. So at 118, he'd go to weigh-ins, stepping out with his clothes on, drinking something there because he was underweight. <laughs> but then I would always the deal I had with Bill Rosado was that fact that I can't use my size of strength. I was just trying to see can I even come close to moving with the speed that he had. And yeah. he, get, he just could I no? I get so frustrated to like Billy. I lied. <laughs> I, I crushed him real quick, and, you know, in a nice way. It, nothing hurt him. <laughs> but I I used to watch him attack our heavyweight almost on a daily basis. 
Ah. Now, heavyweight at that time was unlimited. Unlimited, right? There was there was no, there was no cap on on weight class, and Big James Mitchell weighed like four hundred twenty pounds. Shit. And, and and but but what Billy would wait for is a big guy can't just stand up. They usually have to roll roll over to like on off or start to push on off. And, and the moment that Billy would see him come off the wall, start to roll over. On all fours, Billy would run across and jump on his back with a rear naked choke. And literally, James Mitchell would be trying to roll on his back, trying to squash Billy Rosado, <laughs> thump at him, stuff like this, to the point that eventually James would be out. And Billy would you know, push push him off with his leg, push him on off, and he'd stand up and he'd stand like with one leg on top of him. Like he just the victory, he just he just took out big James Mitchell. Then James would wake up again and you know would try to chase him around the room, but you know, Billy was just too fast. But the whole essence of that was I couldn't keep up with him. But the moment I went back now to my weight class, but now all the guys I work with are going, dude, you're so fast because it did work out. I was gaining and learning something from him, just trying to come close to what he was doing. But it's kind of like when you look at boxing, a lot of people like to watch the heavyweights because it's going to be a knockout. But when you look at the lightweights, they're throwing probably four, five, six times as many punches. And taking, taking yes. those punches too. Yes. Dishing and taking. And yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're active 12 to 15 rounds. Yes. Heavyweights. Well, yeah. Again, heavyweights are, are again, I, I always refer to them as the lumbering giants. That's where right. they are. But a lot of people are just always intrigued with the, the lumbering giants because they simply know that one good strike. They're, they're gonna see it probably a knockout in, in yep. a heavyweight type boxing event. So yeah, Mike just, Tyson was really kind of an excellent at, at just knocking people out in a very short amount of time. Oh, and I well, mean, yeah. giant he, people that were bigger than him. Yeah, just, he, he, was, he was very compact built, but the way he knew how to, you know, I'll, I'll say I, I can't remember his, uh, the, 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 his handler, his trainer at the time. That was Customano or Ted, yes, Teddy Atlas. Well, again, I think I think Gus that yeah, that took him underneath his wing and really yeah. kind of I think really brought Mike along at, at, yeah. a, a long time. But then when you got uh, someone like a Don King coming in there, you know, oh. just like sign this paper, I'll make you a star. You sign this paper, yeah, yeah, I'll make you a star and take all your money. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I use Don King as a. Uh, as a comment there that I'll simply say that, that my hedges sometimes look like, looks like a, a, a bad uh, Don King hair, hairdo day. That's all when they're all wacky and, and, and uh, uncontrollable looking. So, but, oh, well, it is, it, it is what it is, but no, so you, you've got your, what's the name of your, your clinic or is it a clinic that you have that you, you I mean, what's, what's the name? Your clinic. So what happened is that, you know, during COVID, we had to close because they had everything closed down and I was in LA. Oh, so okay. in March of 2020, we closed our clinic. My wife uh, was doing her, her um, sessions with her clients via the phone. And so gotcha. it's a lot harder for me to do acupuncture via the phone. So um, yeah. I started just, just really focusing on nutrition about that time. And when they started to reopen, I started seeing patients back in the office. Then it was another big resurgence. And it was like, we're going to have to close our clinic again. So it's like, we wanted to move to Carmel. This is where I am now. We wanted to move to Carmel. We had put this in the, the to-do list about two years before. We sold our townhouse. We had moved into a small 
condo so that we would be ready to move up here when we were ready. Then COVID hit and it really kind of messed everything up. Well, we ended up shutting everything down. And in that uh, November time, we just packed everything up, moved up here, closed the office after 27 years. And so now what I'm doing primarily is just phone um, consultations nutritionally. I see I have patients in New York, New Jersey, Tennessee, Texas, Arizona. So all over the place. And I just do it via the phone. I have them fill out the in intake forms. And, and then uh, we, we break it down. And we look at everything they're doing. Everything, <coughs> everything they're putting in their body. Everything goes in. Everything comes out. We want to know about it. And what, everything they're doing is, there, are they sleeping enough? Are they getting enough hydration? What's their workouts like? What, are they, what kind of cardio are they doing? These wrestlers, they want to run, run, run to get long, you know, I want to get like, oh, I just want to run for like two hours. Well, that beats the crap out of their joints. And you know, wrestlers joints, as you may know, one of the first things that are going to go as we get older, are even, even if we're younger. So I've, you know, I've said that there's new ways of training that will get you in better cardiovascular shape in a much shorter time. There's one, one, uh, one little training technique called sprint eight you get on an elliptical you warm up for three or four minutes you go all out for 30 seconds cruise for 90 seconds all out for 30 seconds so now you're getting the upper body because it's got it's got you know the handles you got the lower body there's no there's no pounding on the joints you do that eight times you warm down you're done uh, 25 to 30 minutes max that will activate your fast twitch, slow twitch, and super fast twitch, you know, cells, uh, muscle fibers. So you can only do that twice, maybe three times a week if you're young. As you get older, once to twice a week max, because your body has to recover. But it will generate some HGH production. It will generate a regeneration throughout the system. And it will give you cardiovascular uh, endurance like you would never believe that you can get in that short amount of time. Well, actually, I, I, I use the elliptical machine quite a bit. I, I love the elliptical machine just for the fact that I'm not beating up mm -hmm. my joints in the process. But yet, you can go balls to the wall on that thing. And uh, and there's just, just different ways you can use it, whether you try to go like in a forward motion, you can go back in a backward type motion. And uh, you can always up the uh, the the, the stiffness of, of, of the stepping motion and stuff like that. So, and you're always looking at how many reps am I getting per minute on that. Rowing machine is another one I, I like a great deal, uh, but you're seeing less and lesser rowing machines taking place. Right. Now, I don't see understand that. in the gyms anymore, but it's one of yeah. the best ways to work out. Go ahead, big man. Is that you on your shirt? This is, yeah, this is the character from the movie. Yeah. Now, one of the shirts I have. Where can we get those things at? You can go to shootshirts.com. Shoot shirts. S-H-U-S-H-U-T-E. Yeah. Shirts.com. So what does it say? The Matt what? This one says the Matt Monster. Oh. <laughs> you know? Okay. So, and then I have the other one that just has shoot with the, uh, you know, he's carrying the log. Yeah. Oh, really? Let's see that Here. one. Hang on one second. I'll grab one. Got to. Yeah. So, 
So this one was was from the iconic scene where you're carrying when I'm carrying the log. So there's that. <laughs> that's the that's the scene. That's yeah. the scene. That, yeah, yeah. That's the one everybody remembers. Um so anyway. That's that's just it's just fun. People recognize it. You know what? It it what I like is that it shows up really nice, you know, on the shirt and in, and in and in photos. I've noticed that the shirt shows up really nice. I also made it out of material that will last. You know, I hate it when you get one of these shirts like, oh, here's a free shirt to come to my, you know, event. You wear it once, it you it you wash it, you dry it, and now it's like cardboard, it has no shape, and it's a piece of crap. Well, yeah. this one you can wear, you know, day in, day out. You know, so Richard Tato wears his wrestling all the time. I actually told him I owe him another one because he's just he keeps wearing it, and, you know, he'll post pictures and he's just sweating all the way through his shirt and he said it's it when you're wearing your shoot shirt it gets real man yeah no it's uh we'll get you know, you, you chose good colors because red and black are your, are your two most dominant colors uh when it comes to screening so uh, there's a lot of teams that they have those two colors that are in uh, a lot of their their logos and or, or just the, the colors of the shirt well they're also colors of war there you go yeah well that looks almost like blood yeah 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 <laughs> Red and black. So my wife helped me design this. She's got a better eye for color. So thank God, because I'm partially colorblind. So. <laughs> well, again, but but okay, you you, you said shootshirts.com there for, for shirts, stuff like that. But for if if people are interested in, in to contact you for maybe uh, a nutritional type uh, consultation, stuff like that, it, do, do they still go to the same uh website or is there something different for that so and listen if they reach out to me i'll respond there there's a way for them to respond but i i i have the other company that's our business which is osani o-s-a-n-i uh at osanihealth.com so it's o-s-a-n-i at osanihealth.com and where that comes from is that osani is the pygmy phonetic spelling for love so, okay, what, 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 did, what did you say? Phonetic the... spelling for love. Osani. Phonetic. Phonetic. They don't, have, they don't have a written language. So this is how it's spelled out. So one of my wife's friends actually worked with the pygmies in the Congo. I was going to ask, is your uh, wife a pygmy? She is not. Okay. She's a tall white, as we'll call her. She's blonde and beautiful, and, and she's uh, got some height on her. How'd you pick the pygmy uh, language then? <laughs> Well, so she met this guy named Jean-Pierre Allais, who was, what I think he was in South, in Africa as uh, his father was an ambassador, and they were in the Congo, and he made contact. He was the first white person to make contact with pygmies. And what did they do? They shot him because they thought he was a giant, because this guy was like 6'4", 6'4". And they thought, here's this giant, let's shoot him. So they shot him with a poison dart and almost killed him. <laughs> Yeah, no shit. So he, <laughs> they bring him, they took him back to their, their, their village and they were able to bring him back to life. And part of his, his thing was to, he was going to help them because everything was infringing upon their hunting and they weren't surviving. And so he found ways for them to grow certain products that they would be able to eat um, and survive. And then one other thing that he was doing completely illegally is he would take them out boats on the lake take dynamite throw it into the water and blow up and then they would just gather the fish 
Yeah, I guess um, that, that's, that's, that's kind of like the laser bats way of fishing. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Concussion fishing. Yeah. You get a lot, you know, and it's completely illegal. Well, he went to throw one of the pieces of dynamite and it blew up, took his arm off. Oh, fuck. Whoa. Took his arm off and they all left because they freaked out that some white guy blew his arm off illegally fishing with dynamite. And so they left him and he climbed out of there, wow. got in his car and drove to the hospital, which was nothing was close. And it was getting dark. And they would at a certain point, these gates where he would go through would be closed for the night. So he was like tearing through the country, trying to get to a hospital and he eventually made it, but he has no arm from that elbow down yes. from that experience. But he met my wife and he wrote this book called Congo Catabo about his experience with those pygmies. He started the pygmy fund and he wrote in there, Osani, like to, to my wife, Sanda. Um, he was enamored, he was enamored with Sanda and wanted to do like a blood ceremony. And she says, I'm glad I didn't do it because he had malaria. <laughs> <You know>? Whoa. <laughs> so she's like, I know I'm kind of glad we didn't do the blood ceremony. Um, but she came Africa, Africa, Africa didn't really work out for this guy very well. Did it? <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, I, 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 I don't think if I blew my arm off and everybody ditched me. I don't think I'd have been very helpful to any of them. I'd, I'd I probably know, take, my, that. take my Jeep and run them all over, you know? Sure. How, how did he shift? You know, no, no arm. <laughs> <laughs> I think he must, he must have, either he's reaching over with one arm. Um, yeah, but, and uh, it's so he just, just lost, uh, it, he lost it from the elbow down. Elbow down. Okay. So he just, and he actually didn't even know he did it. And he was w trying to wipe his face and the bone was sticking out of his elbow. And it's like, he just, he just cut his face open because he was trying to wipe the water and these bones are just scraping across his face. Right. It was not a, not something you want to experience out there by yourself. So you this know? guy's, this and guy's, wow. this guy's French, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Jean-Pierre LA. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think he's passed, but um, what an amazing life he had. And um, in the book, he wrote it, Osani Sanda. So meaning love, love to him, love to her, you know? And, uh, and so we adopted that as our, you know, our office, Osani. And there's a, a character from, you know, Chinese medicine that says it's a character for love. So we have the love character. Is and it, it, is, it sounds... it miss, is it missing the elbow? <laughs> I bet it is. <laughs> you gotta forgive Don here sometimes. You know, know. He, he likes the gore, so I had to yeah. share that with him, man. He's into yes, the oh, gore. Yes, oh, that all that, that, that blood, blood. We talk blood. blood and wait, this is a piece. Of, this is a dynamite. <laughs> Son of a. But anyway, Osani sounds Asian, so it kind of fit, right? Well, I think so. Yeah. I mean, so that's I, what I, I, I actually, I like the story that came with it there, uh, that whole thing. I mean, tragically for, for him, but, uh, you know, it was uh, I think I'd rather, I, I'd rather get slapped by Mike Tyson on an airplane than, than uh, <laughs> they blow my mouth. I'm with you. I'm with yeah, you, Don. Uh, yeah. What, what'd you think? What'd you think about that nonsense yeah. anyways? Not, not the elbow, you know, but, but the uh, Tyson slap. <laughs> You know, I only saw just a small piece, and my guess is that guy probably deserved it, but oh, I don't yeah. know. Oh, yeah. I didn't hear it. What, what was the interaction? Oh, there? he was he was irritating the shit out of Mike the whole time. You know, he'd 
Mike had already taken a photo with him and, you know, and they, they shared a beer or something. I don't know what. He just kept pestering Mike, kept pestering Mike. Eventually, Mike turned around and bitch slapped him a few times, you know? And he, I mean, out of all the guys in the world that you're going to, like, do that to, that's the last guy. Yeah, yeah. You want to, you know, I like mean. Poking a dragon, he's, right? Guy's nuts. He's he's amazing. He's an incredible. Athlete. I mean, the guy's, how many times has he been a world champion heavyweight? Do you want to mess with this guy? Only if you're stupid. Your yeah, yeah. Only if you're stupid. Yeah, I was just going to say, he must have been drunk stupid. That'd be my guess. Oh, he just did, has no fucking common sense. Well, he, he said that uh, our guy looked up. Uh, the guy's got a rap sheet bigger than Mike Tyson does. So uh, you know. So oh, he's an idiot. <laughs> yeah, saying. he's a big time idiot. Yeah, yeah. So he's looking for a paycheck, but some thank God somebody else filmed it. You know, the whole thing rather than just the last part, which is what usually happens. You know. Right. <laughs> That's crazy stuff. Oh shit! Well, Don, I mean, you, you, you ask that question, you're going to ask him about the the the, the Oscars and the Chris Rock and uh, <laughs> the slap scene and the uh, yeah. How do you how do you feel uh, about that? Aired. Um, since you're you're a Hollywood I, boy now, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. How I call myself a Hollywood boy at this point, um, but it's just like that's one of the stupidest things I think I've ever seen um, him do. Um, uh, it's it's it was not that uh, tasteless of a joke, right? It was actually kind of meant to be. Kinda, when 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 Demi Moore did you know did the movie, how that kind of sexy, and then Shanae O'Connor also had that sexy look that with her head shaved. So it's like if if you're like he didn't, what is wrong? You know, there's it, a little too touchy feely sometimes. I think my feeling is he was still trying to get Richard out of his system and he still had this you know he played played um richard williams in the movie that's what he was up for the oscar for right and the williams okay. sisters uh father and the way he walked up there was very reminiscent of richard's walk not not his own walk i think he still had that hanging on to him a bit and he and his wife did one of these like and he just went. Oh, I, he stopped laughing. You see that he's, yeah. he was laughing. Yeah, no, he was. He actually had. He, had, he was getting a good, good laugh out of it. Listen, but what would they why look do back think at they her? Have the, no. Why do you think they have these comedians here? They roast people in the audience. They roast the because these guys are all beautiful and they're making all tons of money. So yeah. you know, give them a hard time for Christ's sake. If they whine about anything, you gotta, you gotta kind of gotta kind of slap them around a little. Like you guys need a reality check. You got it pretty damn good. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah, you're upset. So somebody can make fun of, you know, about your wife's short hair. Yeah, I know she has alopecia. I know that's not a great thing for women in, in Hollywood to have, but it wasn't about that. And he made it about that, and it was a big mistake. Sorry. Yeah, Sorry, right. Will. But big, I, I think the um, I think the uh, pharmaceutical company that has uh something for alopecia, they 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 were the sponsors of the uh, Oscars, weren't they? I have no idea. I think so. I think if you look it up on the internet, and so um, oh, wow, everything everything circles around, points back like you know it's a big alopecia commercial. <laughs> yeah, we get we we'll get that, that Don and I be, being involved in the wacky world of professional wrestling. We we can look at it as uh, you know was that legit or was that just a magical work from the uh, professional wrestling arena? 
Well, he didn't. Uh, he, he did not um, drop him to his knees, or didn't no. look like he actually made him lightheaded, or you know, saw stars or any of that. I right. think he just surprised. And he played Muhammad him. Ali, so he knew how to throw a punch, you know. But he right. just he just bitch slapped. I remember that. Yeah, that was like. Yeah. Anyway. Maybe that's maybe that's how uh, Mr. Williams slept around the girls, you know, to get a, get them ready for uh, the tennis match. <laughs> if you watch that movie, though, you gotta understand that these people came up from Compton in this super, I mean, just insane uh, situation. He brought two women of color into being world champions. That is absolutely crazy. So, I mean, I love watching the movie because it's like, how did this guy even figure all this out? He had, he had, he had things that they, he had them doing open stance backhands that even the top coaches like Paul, uh, what is Paul's last name? Oh, darn. Anyway, that, that Paul was teaching, you know, not to do it that way. He was teaching them to do it that way. And they couldn't understand how that was going to work. But he, he, both of his kids ended up being champions. I mean, it's just insane. Yeah, they're right? both, uh, both gorgeous, too. So that helps. I mean, oh, my God. You know, they're just so, phenomenal. Now now they own part of the Miami Dolphins, you know. <laughs> I mean, they're just. They took, they dominated women's tennis. They even took, I don't know if it was five or ten years off and then came back and then started playing again. Like, right. it was like no big deal, you right. know. Yeah, you usually lose quite a bit if you take that kind of time off. Especially that, that that's a maybe that that's a long time off. Right. And then Serena uh, came back and started winning again, you know, and then you know, she had the baby and then she's not it's not coming back quite as easy. I mean, and she had she almost died in pregnant in delivery. You know, I don't know if you know that, but it was no. it was really close. She had some she had some clotting issues before that. Um, and so they thought they might lose her. And so wow. she had a little bit of, she has to come back from that and we'll I don't know what's going to happen now. I don't know where she's going to go. If she's going to come back, uh, I think she's got a pretty good life. Her husband, ton of money. She's got a ton of money. They can do whatever they want, really. Oh, who keeps trying to sneak in on you on the back door there? That the wife telling you to get off the phone, and get to do the dishes. I don't know if she's like wants me to like, keep keep it down a little bit or what. But yeah, she she kind of peeked in. Yeah, you got vacuuming. You got vacuuming the dishes to do. I mean, were you holding you up from your dusting or what? <laughs> Uh, luckily that's not the case my friend but uh no it's good it's all good uh i just i just went to uh the u.s open uh masters uh championships in vegas have you guys been to those or no competed no. in them for what for uh wrestling or tennis yeah it was wrestling it was wrestling <laughs> oh, for wrestling they had the entire week was like uh i think wednesday is when they did the weigh-ins but thursday friday saturday sunday the beginning was primarily like these young kids in grade school. Then they had the high school kids. They also had the open. They also had the masters. So one of the guys that I, I work with uh, just restarted working with recently is he um, competed and actually won um, the master's division of, uh, I think it was, I want to say E class. It's like, you know, I think it was 172 pounds is what I want to say. And that's day, uh, Brad Sh- uh, Swartz. What what age what age bracket? I mean, because so that's in what, the sixties to sixty five, and so okay, okay, because because I, I they 
that's the way people keep what out for the sports. So they they keep dropping the age down more and more and more, but they actually go that high up, up to 65. They go that high. And there was brackets. I think there was another bracket beyond that. I think this was a really? 65. They got, they got a, yeah. a paramedic on standby there. <laughs> you know, you know, you, you start getting Tars. older weights and just show up and step on the mat. I think you won. Yeah. <laughs> but it was, so, it was fantastic. I mean, what, how, how, what would you say is, was the oldest bracket that you saw there? You know, I was just watching Brad and some of his, in, in, in his uh, age group, but there was, uh, I want to say uh, the next bracket up, which would probably be 65 up to maybe 75 almost. I don't know for sure, but it's, it's there was a few older guys and some guy was putting his shoes out there and I was like, oh, okay. So I think he's finally done. <laughs> is, there, is there cash prizes? Cause you know, Dan, we'll get Dan out there if there's cash cash prizes. <laughs> no no that, cash. No, they're not fighting for money. They're fighting for those stop signs. Yeah. It says masters on it, you know, masters champion. Yeah. Don, you forget that, that Dan here has been involved in the sport of wrestling. It's uh, yeah. When I do clinics and seminars uh, in that area, that is my blue, what I call my blue collar uh, area. That uh, blue hair, blue collar. <laughs> well, no, blue collar because it doesn't it doesn't pay it doesn't pay all that well. But it is, uh, but it teaches a lot of great characteristics uh, uh, to young people. I always say that uh, if you don't go into the military, you should go into uh, wrestling for at least a couple of years because I think it uh, it teaches you you get out of life, which you put into it same way in, in, in the competition. What you put into it, it's usually what, what you're going to get back out of it. Wrestling uh, uh, is a sport that you see lesser, lesser people going into because it is such a demanding, such a demanding sport on on, on just your, your time. And if you want to be successful, uh, you have to put even extra time in there. So for every couple hours that you put inside that wrestling room, outside, you know, just just like what you, what you were talking about there on uh, Frank on, on just the nutrition. You have to understand nutrition because you can really be uh, hurting yourself a great deal on, on eating the wrong things, drinking the wrong liquids, doing things at the wrong time. You know, so there there is a, a great deal of science to it. Uh, the hardest part is I say you can do almost all the other things right, but then the psychological aspect. You know, you 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 may you may think you can. I should well, I should say that psychological. The brain is the one thing you can you can train a body. Yeah. But uh, to get that mind right, to know that it can do it, there's a lot of people they start to doubt themselves, or they know I'm going up against a, a returning state champion. I'm going back uh, against a returning state place finisher, and you start to you know they're better than me and stuff. I think start doubting your own ability. There's a coach, uh, one of my friends here that uh, in the area, his name Reggie Roberts, and, and I spoke to him about that, and he was like, I don't let any of my kids look at the brackets at all. I don't want them seeing this guy as number one seed, two seed. He says, because they, they psych them, like you said, they psych themselves out. Like this yep. guy's, instead of just showing up and saying, let's see, there's just, here's another human being. I just got another person, same size mat, same you know, same weight. Let's go. Let's see what's, let's see, let's see who's the best. And it's not like that number means nothing. I, I want to say that, um, you know, Mike Krause had said something like there's a, a specific percentage of number one seeds that get knocked out in the first round. Yes. And so yes. it's like, you know, that don't mean, that don't mean nothing. You know, it's like, so if you can get your, 
your head around this understanding that you're just going to show up with, with your goods. You're going to like give it your best. You're not going to stop. You're going to actually do better than you did last time. And if you lose, you're going to learn from that. That's yes. the mentality that he would always impress on the kids. Like, did you improve? Did you improve? You know, yeah. just what, showing what, up. You, what did you learn from that loss? That's literally, right. I mean, it's not a true loss. If you, if you allow it to be, if you can learn something from it, then you learn something from it. That just makes a world of difference for you. I mean, you're looking at Max Dean. I was, um, or Gabe Dean, I'm sorry. Gabe Dean was talking about when he was young and he was not a great wrestler and he didn't win a whole lot. And, you know, this guy ended up being a three-time NCAA, you know, national yeah. champion. And it's just because he never gave up. He just kept showing up, kept learning, kept getting better, you know, and yeah. you just... Dave, Dave Dean and the Dean brothers were actually part of Montrose Hill McCoy High School heritage. Again, my, my same high school wrestling. It, 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 there was a lot of a lot of brother combinations. I did not. Dave was a lot younger. I really did not know Dave that well. I knew his older brother Steve. So again, it's kind of like and uh, so it just did Dave re- win? Did Dave win nationals one year in NCAA? You asking me or asking? Whoever, Man. whoever got the answer. <laughs> don't know. I, I see it, and I don't know. I, 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 I don't think he did, but I, I could be wrong. There's one yeah. of them, somebody uh, from Montrose won 190 because uh, I was sitting there with, with Rod at his house when uh, he lived with a bunch of other guys, and we were watching it, and one of the Montrose boys was in the Nationals. And, well, maybe, and, maybe it, well, it could have been, it could have been uh, that the, the, might have been. What was that? Yeah, I know that the, one of the Dean brothers that I was watching, it was like three times on NCAA national champion. So, you know, I think he ended up losing, I want to say to Bo Nichols in the final of his fourth, you know, he was, he was trying to get yes. a four. Steve, David, and Noel, th- those were the three, bro- three brothers that mm-hmm. were all, all Dean brothers. But yeah. then, I mean, I know that uh, uh, Dave's sons, I think, uh, went out to i forget what college but the, he actually uh, you know they they've done well for themselves as, as well yeah <clears throat> yeah it's a i have to say that, that uh, I've, I've played just about every sport and 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 uh i've always been the type of person that was always going to like do more than anybody else like when we so this is uh, i realized that my shoot mentality which is really a, a, a who I am in the, and when I'm, you know, preparing, that's, that is uh, kind of who I was. And even at a young age, like when I was in grade school, we went skiing for the first, you know, our family all went together and we went skiing and, and um, we would, you know, ski throughout the day. And, and I would never leave the, I would never leave, um, you know, and to come in and like hang out and, and get all warm and have, you know, cocoa with, with mush with little marshmallows and things like that. My brother always did. He would always come in and get a sandwich and have cocoa and hang out. I was like, I couldn't get enough runs in. I would never, I would be the first one up, uh, you know, to get out there and be the first one on the lift. And I'd be the last one to come off the, off the lift. And my mother would actually have to come out while I'm standing in a line and hand me a sandwich so that I could eat while I'm kind of going up. Shit, not me. I think uh, my freshman year in college, I went with the McMinns, went skiing with them, and uh, first day, you know, went to the top a couple of times, and uh, second day, I sold my ski lift ticket for beer money, sat in the lodge drinking beer. <laughs> had, had enough of that shit. 
uh, I got into it. So when I finished that day, I, I would, like I said, I would ski as hard as I could. I would, I would not come off the hill. And when we were driving home, my legs were in so much pain, I'd be crying, but I wasn't going to stop. And that's just, that's, that's, I realized when I looked back and I was like, yeah, that's the kind of mentality I had back when I was in third and fourth grade. So, you know, to push myself to become the character shoot, I was doing the same thing in the weight training and the bodybuilding. So I'd go in the gym and I'd train for an hour and a half and I would just, people would be afraid because I was nuts. I was like just a beast in there. And I actually had somebody come up to me, at, you know, when we were having lunch and he was like, you know, Hey Frank, uh, how you doing? And I'm like, fine, man. How are you? He goes, you know, you're, you're kind of a, a uh, an intense person when you're in there uh, lifting weights. He says, I, 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 I'm afraid to approach you. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, are well, you one of those guys? Are you one of those guys making all that fucking noise? I, I made the faces. I was like, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, bulging here. My dad says, what you, my dad came and watched me lift weights. He goes, you have to make that face. And I'm like, dad. <laughs> <laughs> my face dad you gave it to me <laughs> it's your fault <laughs> wow i think it's been good this has been good i never actually did try uh skiing i only ever tried just once i absolutely just sucked that i'd rather just be on a toboggan or a sled and just fly down the hill and something like that but uh yeah, the ski thing was was that uh, was that for me. Whatsoever. I grew up in I grew up in Idaho and in, in um, Pacific Northwest. But summer we water skied, winter we snow skied, and then you know it's just it was one of those beautiful places. There was uh, Coeur d'Alene Lake is where I grew up, and so I'd get up, drive out to the Hayden Lake because it was really close by. We had a, a boat docked out there. I'd jump in my boat, drive across the lake, and my friend lived on the lake, had a dock on the lake. And we'd jump in his boat and there'd just be two of us. And he had a rear view mirror. So it was allowed to be able to just have one person driving and one person. Yeah. Cause usually you, you need two ones a spotter. A spotter but, but if yeah. you have a rear view mirror, you're, you're okay. And so we would start about eight o'clock and we'd ski for four hours, take a turns back and forth, come in, have lunch. Then I'd head off to work. I'd have to be at work at four 30 and then I'd work till midnight and get up the next day. Same thing. Wow. And then wintertime was just every weekend, we would drive up to Schweitzer Basin and ski all weekend, you know? So an hour and a half to get up there, ski all day, drive back, get up the next day, same thing. Wow. Yeah, yeah. you had to be, your legs had to be toast. Your whole body had to be toast after a weekend like that. I got, you know, you just build up. And so it's just like, man, every weekend you can get up there, every run you can do, it's just like you do it. You know, and the guys I was skiing with, they ended up, being in Warren ski, you know, Warren Miller ski films. I don't know if you remember that guy, but he used to do these amazing ski films where he would take these high-end uh, skiers, take them up, drop them off of a helicopter onto a mountain. And then a mountain. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. When you see these guys at that mountain, they're, they're, they're coming down. Some of these drops that they're coming off or they, 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 they've got now uh, basically they got a, a snow, uh, slide that's coming down after them that they have to either zig out of its way or keep ahead of it. Yeah, I was I was the bunny hill kind of guy, you know. That's where well, I, as a master, you were more dangerous than when I was down. I wouldn't even on that on that hill. Like I said, if, if it did have a toboggan or a little sled underneath it, I wasn't on it. Yeah, 
Uh, yeah, that just was was not my cup of tea. That uh, me, me, that. me, and the third graders would fight it out, you know, for the for the next for the next run off the bunny hill. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I told you that, but um, there's an event coming up next weekend, and uh, not this coming weekend, but the following being May 14th and 15th in Puyallup and in Auburn, Washington. And so the guy that I was working with on his nutrition. Uh, that one, he's been a six-time Masters champion there. Has uh, we have kind of come to a little bit of a, a challenge because uh, we like we like, we really respect each other, but we also are are going to uh, challenge each other. So we've got this match uh, that's coming up on the 14th and 15th in in Washington, and so it's going to be it's going to be one or the other. It's going to be coming off that mat. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, I, I just. I'm just stupid. I'm just going to just keep, keep, keep fighting and wrestling until I can't keep fighting and wrestling anymore. Well, what's, I mean, other than the, the pride and stuff like that, is there anything that's on the line? Like uh, we're going to, uh, someone buys lunch or we oh, or, or, or gets the uh, hot tub afterwards or whatever. <laughs> well, it's, a foot, it's, a foot it's, rub. it's <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, you know, there's certain, uh, just pride and being able to be a six-time world champion and and for him it's it's to, to try to challenge a character that that he's watched in over the years in a movie that was filmed um and where he grew up and his coach was in it um and it was based on though his school and another school rivalry the thompson high and and uh um rod which was rogers high and mead which was hoover high that's that's where they came originally from and so his coach was from rogers which was coach pello ken pello and then the other team was from mead which was cash stone who was the actual referee in the final um scene and the final wrestling uh, scene and then my coach was actually ken pello in that final scene which was actually you know rogers head coach and it was this guy brad schwartz's head coach for years in high school so connect this this, this, this. (laughs) Uh, so it's like there's a lot there's a lot that's going on here and it's again i I think that it's great to me because i I never do any idea of those aspects right there i'm just glad that i mean it it just it played so true and, and they had so many different real wrestling people that were about as Coaches and, and yep. as that, I just like the broad. Effect. I like the broad in the movie. You know? Come on, that was that was see, like see, that dodge right back, dodge right back to that that pair of panties. That's that's, that's, that's it, what dodge back here again. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on, and and then uh, of course Linda Fiorentino then follow that up with some just psychosexual thrillers that you just have to go. Oh shit. She's even more sexy now, right? Oh man, she's a she's a she's a beast, Dan. She's a beast. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, I, I don't like the way that you're cringing on that. <laughs> that does sound like that. That was a good one. I don't yeah, but she, actually, she was beautiful. She played this role to perfection, and it's a little bit like what Matthew said. She's the best of what I like in men and what I like in women because she's got that toughness, but she's still got the beauty, you know. And she can she can pull off that uh, that wife beater uh, shirt that she was wearing with no bra on her at any time. Yes, yes, yes. What does she look like now? Any idea? Um, you know, I I don't know where she's if she's still acting or not. Um, uh, you know, 
I recently saw her interviewed on David Letterman. It was like a throwback from, I just, it just came up and I was like um, on my Facebook and on my YouTube thing. And I was like, oh, I have to see this. I've never seen her do a, an interview. And it was way back in the time. It was right after she did Vision Quest. And, and during the time she was doing Vision Quest, she got a call from the guy that was one of the head executives at one of the you know uh, companies that, that I think was Warner Brothers. And he said, you got a nice ass. I want to see those pants a lot tighter. I'm like, and that kind of freaked her out. And she, after she shot Vision Quest, she kind well, of I thought, like, I thought the, the director was saying that about you. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you saw what they, you saw what they put me in in the stadium scene, you know? So she, Old, so you know, she super did. tight shorts. She was in a, uh, on the David Letterman show. She, she never mentioned you, did she? I never... You know what? I did meet her when I came to LA, but she was in only a couple of scenes that I was in. So I never really kind of hung out with her until when I flew down and she was seeing some guy. And so we really didn't, you know, I set to have a little drink with her and he came in, he was all freaked out that she was kind of with somebody else. And so, you know, he kind of grabbed her and rushed, rushed her off. So I didn't get a chance to hang out for her very long. Wow. That's so funny. That is so funny. Com- and that happens. Competition. All. Competition. Life, life yeah. is competition in, these, all, in uh, all aspects. When these squirrely guys, you know, you're sitting there talking to a gal, some squirrely guy comes running up. Oh, she's my wife. Oh, oh, oh. You know, and he carts her off. You know, I was just sitting down because my back hurt, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> well, definitely uh, want to plug at least once well, again hey. there. That- there's one other topic that we um, we both are connected to that we haven't talked about yet. Please, your trip, your trip down to Medellin, Colombia. Oh my God! Oh, I tell you so. what, partner, I have have kicked in two weeks ago. I have never felt for two weeks now. I've felt so freaking fantastic. Uh, my, right on. My sci- my sciatic nerve is just. It's just humming. It's humming. It's not like biting me and punching me and kicking me. It's just, you know, I know it's there, but it's not bothering me. My back is strong. Last week, I went to my buddy's ranch in uh, Lordsburg, New Mexico, for a week because uh, he's herding cattle and helped him herd cattle. And um, and my back held up uh, the whole way. The only problem I have is that... Um, uh, the first thing, you know, I've had so many back surgeries and the first time I, I, I broke the rods, you know, they, they've, I had May 2010, May 2011, had five back surgeries and, um, the last one, they, they, the fifth one, they, they fused three vertebrae It lasted for about a year and then they tore it out and infused 10. And so, oh, yeah, so uh, about a year later, I had a tire blow out on my truck and it pissed me in the median. And um, I broke the rods. didn't know it. So I walked around for about two, two and a half years of broken rods. And finally, I said, my back, you know, God damn, my back's hurting. My, my, my ex-wife, my wife at the time uh, was saying, ah, you're... You're, you're not the man you used to be. You're not as tough as you used to be. You don't have the pain tolerance you used to have, you know. But you're just a drug addict making it all up to get more pills, you know. <laughs> and uh, then I got an x-ray, and the doctor said, well, there's a the problem there, dumbass. You broke the rods. Yeah. And um, so I had to go in for another surgery. And, you know, they... It was like a 10-hour surgery, take it out, put it in, and three hours to clean up the scar tissue I developed all the time. Right. And um, so I was good, woke up good for four days. Then I complained about a headache. And they took me in, and I had a, um, 
hemorrhagic stroke. And uh, they, wow. they put me in a uh, coma for three weeks. And when I woke up, I was like, I, I looked I looked like I was somebody else. Let me tell you that way. I lost, wow. lost 70 pounds or something. I don't know. And um, anyways, after the stroke, I I looked at my legs. And my legs are... Legs are about as long as about as thick as my arms, you know. But now I've lost my quad, lost my right quad, because mm. of uh, when I was walking around with that broken, the broken rods, you know, it just destroyed it. You know, I didn't know it. I was dragging my leg, didn't know it. But yeah, I, I so the only problem I have now is that I don't I have a no right quad. You know, it just wow. I mean, it's, yeah, that's due to the innervation that starts at the low back at L five S one. Yeah, innervate down your leg, and if that gets, you know, either pinched or you know severed. Oh, and I ended up. That's it. I ended up breaking the rods. I broke the rods two or three more times. (laughs) So I've had. (laughs) And the last time, doctor said, "You know, we're just going to leave them there." So, but you had some stem cell therapy, and you feel like you're in a lot, a lot better place right Partner, now. Partner, I had to have. Um, I was pushed. I was so happy. The only I was happy about the masks back then, because I was getting wheelchaired through the airport. That way, nobody knew who I was. You know, but they had to wheelchair me through the airport. My buddy, uh, Coach McMinn, had to wheelchair me um, to the therapy, and then I, you know, boom, boom, boom. You know, they. IV one in this arm. Uh, one day, I got up. I walked for two hours. I hadn't done that, you know, for years. Next day, wow. boom, same thing. Walked for two hours, and uh, then next shoulder, shoulder, and and spine, and um, then spinal cord, and um, I felt great. Walked out of there, and mm-hmm. you know, wanted to walk home. And um, now I. Like I said, I, I I'm walking all the time. It feels so good just to freaking walk without any right. pain, man. It's amazing. You know, I, I wore myself out from walking. So, so the the whole idea of regenerative medicine to me is is really the way you want to go in the future. Yeah. Like every time you they they fuse, then that'll last for probably five to ten years because then they'll have to go and do the one up above and down below because that's right. fixated now. Right. And so all the torque is going to be above and below. And so now those are going to be getting damaged after wear and tear. So if we can uh, not have to do the fusions, if you can actually get, you know, injections of stem cells into your back, into the joints, into the hips, into the shoulders, you can prevent major surgery, number one, many times you can get almost full range of motion, strength and everything else. And sometimes complete recovery from doing stem cell therapy. And I, I started working with this company out of Florida, Florida Stem Cell Research. And I started going to a clinic with Angelo Caprio was the, was the manager and his father was the, doing the injections, Dr. DiCaprio. And um, um, they, they have changed my life as well because I had uh, knee injections done because I, was, I couldn't, couldn't do what I used to be able to do. And I tore my knee up when I was bodybuilding, trying to lift. It was, it was trying to do a max. I was trying to max out. I think it's one of the stupidest things I ever did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Like you really need to know your max. Yeah. My ego needs to know my max. Yeah. Right. So you do your max and then I tore my patella tendon anterior cruciate and, and, um, 
that was that was my left knee and then did a dead left. like let me try my max out of my dead left and i just blew my back out you know so wow. every time i tried to max thank god i didn't try and bench max you know i think i figured it out <laughs> yeah like most people will tear their shoulders right when they try and go for a bench max all the time like, let me see what i can max this week well you just did it last week well let me see what i can do this way like all right, give it a shot. And then they end up tearing their shoulder or peck, you know, it's so stupid. But uh, anyway, it's, uh, I started using stem cell therapy about a year ago. And then, you know, Dan and I talked about it too, because he went, I didn't know that, that you went as well. Yeah. That's Don, Don went a, a few weeks uh, uh, before I did. Oh, nice. So that's why it's, it's, it's good because he's, he's a couple of weeks ahead of me and, uh, and how it's supposed to be responding because when we hit that, six to nine months range that's what's supposed to really kick in and that's what don is in he's in that yeah, six wow. months to nine range i'm just a couple of weeks behind him so he's in the, hearing he's that, in that just, oh yes, i haven't felt i haven't felt this good for 16 years you yeah. know this shit started um back in my pride you know well from the pro wrestling i messed myself with the pro wrestling but it really got bad in the uh, Pride days, you know, when I was fighting for uh, Pride fighting championships in mm -hmm. Japan. And, um, you know, started taking a pill. You know, I was li living on pills. And so I'd, I'd take a pill before the fight even. And, sure. you know, you're doped up and don't even know what's going on. Excuse me. And, you know, you end up, you're slow. You're, you're slow. Yep. You're, yep. you're just not responding. Uh -huh. You know, you have no reactions, no re and reflexes and uh you, you don't know it because that's that's the way you live every day and uh so my my career went like that real fast yeah, yeah. but i was walking around with a broken back and uh, yeah. i had already broken my neck twice you know before that and had, had it fused you know um 2000 and 2000 i fused my neck and I was back in the ring in three months, you know, so, yeah, because, yeah, you yeah. know, working for the Japanese, they want their money. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're, they're paying you, you gotta, you gotta work. Yeah. So, I just, you know, it's just, it's just a really cool thing that they, that, that we've, that we're working with these products now, you know, we have this opportunity to like, uh, I think what you said, you dip your finger into, um, what you say? You dip your... The fountain of youth. There you the go. You're going to dip your yes. toe in the fountain of youth. Now, just so people out there know, it's like it, sometimes you can get one injection in the shoulder and it really makes a difference and it's pretty quick. But it's usually like as, as what you were suggesting, Dan, is it's like we're looking at the six month, nine month range. Yeah. I did an injection in my knee um, about a year ago and it improved dramatically over the three to four months. Um, and then I recently redid it. It was almost a full year before I did another injection. And I've noticed that already within a month or so, it's actually gotten even better. I feel stronger. I can, you know, I play tennis. This is what I do for recreation. I can play two to three hours of tennis and come back and not have pain and not have problems going up the stairs, which was what I used to have, you know, because that anterior cruciate was torn, patella tendon was torn. <clears throat> I never had it surgically repaired, but, you know, doing stem cells, and this is years and years later, gives it an opportunity to regenerate. This stuff has some pretty cool um, applications, I think. Oh, it's yeah, no, what you said about the stem cells, I ended up, uh, yeah, when I, when I hit uh, 60, you know, just basically just, just four years uh, back, um, I had a real issue with, with stairs. I mean, my knees, both my knees were giving me some real problems. They're going 
going up the stairs, I didn't really push off with my legs and use my quadriceps. I literally, I was grabbing the hand railings and I was actually pulling myself up, almost like doing a seated low pull or something like that. I actually was actually pulling myself on up and to go down the stairs, I would go out of my way to find an escalator or an elevator because going down the stairs, I was scared to step down that my, my knee was going to give up, but not that it was going to give up forward. It was going to give up backwards. So that's what really scared me because I didn't feel like I had any stability. I ended up getting one shot at each knee and, and, and literally within, within a couple of weeks, I could believe, boom, I was right back to, I could jump rope and stuff of that nature. Wow. Yeah. So again, you know, my, my big reason for going down to uh, Medellin, South America, there was simply to, uh, you know, because I, I have a hip that's been really bothering me a great deal. I, I've already had a couple MRIs. I had an MRI uh, in uh, Arizona that I had another MRI. Basically, when I went down to Medellin, and even the guys down to Medellin said, yeah, your hip's pretty bad, but we see a little bit of space right there. So again, I'm kind of going for a little bit of a Hail Mary because even the guys down in uh, Medellin, they said, well, this could maybe buy another three to five years, something like that. But I, I, I've seen so many people that have been down there where they had bone on bone in their shoulder, stuff like that. They got the shots. And it seemed like they really bounced back really well. So just, again, I, I try to keep in, in, uh, the contact with Dr. as much as possible to find out how he's doing. Cause I know he's just, a, he's a, he's just a few weeks ahead of me. Right. And I think, okay, I should be looking for this coming down the plate. But then I've, I've asked several of their different doctors, when should I be seeing something? And they said the, the biggest area is that six to nine month range, right. all the way up to that first year. Then by the time you hit that first year, Whatever you got, you got. Right. So, but so I think the stem cells are, um, they regenerate every 28 days. And so they kind of like split and they produce. And, and um, then they last about uh, one injection should last you between 250 and 280 days. Um, and oh, then really? after I, that, I, I, I did not know that. Yeah, this is, this is just some, you know, interesting enough, I'm doing my recertification for my, you know, acupuncture license. And I found a chiro or a, an acupuncturist who is doing um, these uh, CEUs and it's acupuncture with stem cells. And so I, of course I had to check it out. And so he was, he was talking about this, that they regenerate every 28 days and they last up to 280 days. I believe it's between 250 and 280. So, <clears throat> so what happens at that point then they just, right, they just, they're just not growing and dividing okay, and doing stop. So that's a good time to kind of reevaluate where you are and say, okay, maybe another round, right. you know, maybe even okay. sooner, you know. All right, because I, I was kind of getting nervous, like, what, what, like Don was right there, it's kind of like, oh, do they mean they go, like, 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 a, like a tire deflating or something like that? If you, no, if you gain, whatever you gain, you gain, but then now you're back, right back to, this. well, that I, I capped off, but now I'm right back to, uh, I, I'm going to start aging and uh, and you'll start to age again and uh, yes. start to break down again. And but it's just you've gotten a certain level of protection now that you didn't have. Yeah, uh, you went up. Enough. You went up 10, 15, 25 percent from what you right. were. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of look look at it there, Frank. As uh, I, I went in for my uh, hundred thousand mile oil change. That's how yeah. I look at it as yeah. right now. So I should be good. For another hundred thousand miles, so it's gonna. It, it, it wasn't until I hit, you know, it's basically 60, uh, 63, then I should be good for another sixty-three years, right? <laughs> so I'm gonna suggest you might want to have a, a little bit more going on every, like every year. I mean, look, look at what you kind of what you guys did to your bodies, or what other people did to your bodies as you were doing your stuff. 
it, you got pounded, you got twisted, it got beat up, and you probably weren't eating the best nutrition, you probably weren't getting enough sleep or hydration or, you know, the right nutrients to really keep things regenerated, I'll bet anything, I bet, you know, your body was just taking a beating and, you know, you're probably having a pretty good time. Um, oh, come on. Now, I'm, a, I'm a picture of health and dedication in this one. <laughs> I'm sorry. How many strokes did you have again? What was that? Uh, just one. Just one. Was that? I, mean, I, was I, like, I had a bunch of surgeries. <laughs> yeah, two surgeries. Yeah. I broke it. Yeah, I broke my back a couple of times, broke the rods, I think four. <laughs> hey, the fact that even after all those things, broke even after twice. all the damage, after all the surgeries, He's noticing a difference. Yeah. That to me is, I, oh, you know, because I, I know like if I can do anything for my patients, it's like surgery is the last thing I want you to do. Right. Let's figure out, let's figure out some, you know, um, you know, training some therapeutic movements. They're going to have to regenerate the muscle and protect the joint. Let's talk about your foods and we want to remove anything that's going to be pro-inflammatory. We want to things in a Boswellia, some turmeric, some, all these other things that are going to help break down your, you know, support your anti-inflammatory and just support your body. And the last thing I want to do is like, okay, now we're going to surgery. As soon as you open that up, that's considered major surgery. I think, I don't care what they call it. It's called major surgery. If they knock you out and they do something because now they've cut, now they've opened, now you've got scar tissue. Now you've destroyed energetic lines. Now your body is going to heal and it has to deal with the anesthetic you just got as well. So, and if you avoid that, good. Everything you can do to avoid that, we want to do. And if nothing else helps, fine, surgery. Yeah, well, my... That's where, that's where I think. One of my bad problems is I, I got staph infection when I was in the hospital. And so mm-hmm. every time I've, they've opened me up, you know, my, my spinal cord has been infected. Um, and, yeah, so it's, it's just a mess, you know, like... Uh, Last three times they cut on me, they had to pull the pull the garbage out of my spinal cord. You know the pus and the doctors. Uh, they all said we. Well, I almost vomited in my mask. <laughs> well, thanks. I'm glad you didn't. You know, serious. Yeah, I, I again. Uh, I, I was there a couple of times there, Frank. We we'll watch yeah. it and see it done stuff like that. When they, it was that opened up, they had to drain tubes in and stuff like this, and it was. Uh, it yeah. was like woof. He, he was in. Uh, I didn't know if I was going to see him come out, but uh, you know that was a good spirit and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, oh, he, yeah. I, mean, I, I, I even said there's a while there that I, I kept visiting him in, in this hospital and I visited him over at this clinic. I was going, "Geez, you, you got like a frequent hospital type card <laughs> movement going there right now? You get me all these frequent flyer miles or whatever here right now? Hospital days. I've been told by uh, doctors uh, we don't want to see you anymore. Go somewhere else." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm surprised they're like, "Hey, buddy, come on back, my You know, I need to put an addition onto my house. So let's yeah, come on. exactly. Yeah, I'll see you. In a, I'll see you in another six months. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now, uh, do you do consultations over the telephone, or yeah. is it uh, on, on so, the internet, or you know? Yeah. So what it, what I've been able to develop is I I do my testing, uh, what's called O-ring muscle testing or applied kinesiology, and it doesn't matter if they're in front of me or in another state. I can tune in and, and decide or test if they have any deficiencies. And that's why when I'm working with Nick Siriano, it's like he was in a, he was in Arizona for some time, then he's back in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And so every time he would call me up and he goes, okay, this is where I'm at. What do I need? And we would, I go through all these reflexes 
And sometimes when you're when you're training, you know, you deplete your adrenals. Most of the time, that's one of the number one things. Sometimes you have to really support the heart muscle that people don't even pay attention to that. It's a muscle. It's being challenged. You need to do it. Actually, if you run a marathon, there's a certain amount of damage that happens to your heart because you're you're challenging it beyond its capacity many times. So these nutrients and these reflexes will tell me what the body needs. So I'll check in and I'll check in on their protein levels, their electrolyte levels. I'll go through every one of their organ reflexes. Just by having them do an exercise, you assess them? Just by me checking. I, I, well, of course I do. I send out an intake form. They fill out everything. So they give me feedback. So I, I see what, what's going on for them. But then I sit in my office. This is what I've developed over 27 years is a, te- a way to test. It's a muscle testing way that I can tech check their reflexes, their nutritional needs. So they don't take a blood sample and send you a blood sample. It don't just, need your blood, brother. It's just all visual. It's all energetic. It's all energetic and it's all nutritional support for those, those reflexes that the body will, will be weak. So the body's an electric system. And so if it's, it's kind of like your uh, electrical system in a house. If you plug in too many, you know, uh, places into a, into a socket, that'll blow a, a fuse or blow a fuse. breaker. Yeah. Right. So then if I challenge your body, when I, when I, you're in my office, I'll touch a reflex on your, on your system and your body. And if, if then I muscle test and if it goes weak, that means your body can't handle that challenge. That's considered a challenge. Anything you have, you even like taking in lemon juice is a challenge to your body. Did you know that? No. That's how you can test your adrenal strength. You take, you can, this is what I had people do when they came into my office and I wanted to find out if they're depleted. If I wanted to show them they were depleted instead of me just muscle testing, there's a way to do that with a, a small amount of lemon juice. You do a pre-test with a you know pH strip. So you're testing the acidity of the saliva in your mouth. So you check that. Then you tell them, take the lemon juice, swirl it around their mouth, swallow it. One minute later, you test the strip again, and it's gone from like 6.8 to 7.0, which is about where you want to be saliva-wise in the beginning, and it'll shoot up. It'll get more alkaline because your body is trying to respond to this acidic, so it'll take it up. And that's, that's your body's response to a stress on your, on your system. And when you have a stress on your system, your adrenals kick in. You produce... You know, you know, adrenaline, and that's how you, you wrestle, you lift, you fight, all that's built on adrenaline. So if you deplete that body, you deplete that adrenaline, the adrenals get too challenged over and over and again. You deplete some of the, what's called the buffering system that after you spike it from the challenge, the buffering system brings it back down to neutral, to zero. So when you take your um, lemon, your lemon juice, it's acidic, but your body responds by creating alkalinity because it's a stressor. So you go into an alkalized state, which is fight or flight in your sympathetic dominance, you know, um, system. And then your buffering system is what brings it back out. You know what the buffering system is? Minerals. What are minerals? Minerals are electrolytes. So when these guys do these workouts and then they go, oh, I got to get my sugar back, my, my glycogen back in my body. So they eat all these high sugar foods yeah. to regain their glycogen debt. What they're missing is 
they've depleted their electrolytes and they're much more important than your sugar content that you need to bring back in. This is what kills me. I don't know if you've, you've seen these, all these energy drinks, but if you look at them, they're high fructose corn syrup primarily, right? right? right. When you look at them, right. they're like, and then you got a bunch of electrolytes and a bunch of chemicals and food coloring and all that stuff in there. It's a bunch of junk. As far as I'm concerned, you need to have, you can have super clean electrolytes. You can have super clean amino acids to support you afterwards. And <clears throat> so what you got to do is you've got to replenish the electrolytes. If you don't have electrolytes, you don't have your minerals, you can't absorb nutrients. You can't have any energy at the ATP level. So in order to absorb a vitamin C or a vitamin A, you have to have a mineral that catalyzes that, creates an energy so your body can utilize it. And if you take minerals and you put a drop of that on your finger, it'll sit there because it has energy. It has cohesion. It'll hold that drop on the end of your finger. Unless you're completely depleted, then your body will try to absorb it right through your skin. I had a patient that was a, uh, a cancer patient, and she was getting all sorts of chemo, and they completely wiped out her electrolytes because I put that on her finger and just ran down. I couldn't even leave one drop on her finger. So the way I demonstrate that to my patients is I put a drop on their finger, and I have them touch their tongue to that drop. And it's like a nine volt battery. It goes on the end of their tongue. <laughs> really? And that tells you that's, that's catalyst. It's called a catabolic, a catalytic effect in the body. You know, it's, 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 it creates energy. And if you don't have that, you're not going to be able to produce ATP. You're not going to be able to utilize your vitamins, et cetera, et cetera. So are we talking, you drink Gatorade or are we talking something more? Uh, so like, okay. So Gatorade has the concept perhaps, right. It's right. got electrolytes in there, but it's too dense for your body to utilize at that density. So you need to, like in our, in our athletic training program, we were said, you need to dilute that four to one, four parts water, one part Gatorade. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't like Gatorade in general, just because Too much you read the, <laughs> read, the, read the ingredients. You know, they're not sponsoring me, so I got, I got to hate on them a little bit. So you read the ingredients. <laughs> you, can you pronounce anything? Is any of that natural? Other you know, than high fructose corn syrup and any of the other names and the and the whatever co- food coloring they're using for whatever green or blue right, or red, right. you know, that is that is another thing that is a, a a problem, you know. And so this is this is this is something to kind of this, to look at as you look at these professional athletes and you wonder these guys are better trained than we ever were when we were young, and how come they are always injured? Are they just such pansies? No, these guys are being given these these high fructose corn syrup drinks. And what happens when you have too much sugar in your system? It it will it will fill up your liver, fill up the muscle. Then the excess sugar in your body is looking for receptor sites. The receptor sites that it likes are protein receptor sites. That means your muscles. So when it lock, it finds a receptor site that it likes, it locks on and it creates this rigid bond. Now you have a rigid bond in your muscle. You have too much sugar in your system. Excess sugar is going to be stored as fat. So whatever it can't find a bond, then it's going to store as fat and cause inflammation throughout the system. It feeds bacteria, viruses, cancers. I actually wrote an article on how it actually feeds cancer. So you people on high sugar diets, high carb diets, they could be also be feeding the cancers in their body. It suppresses your immune system, suppresses your hormones. It's 94% more addictive than cocaine or heroin. Sugar is. 
Well, but we depend on it way too much in our professional sports. All kinds of all kinds of foods, drinks that that, that they put sugar into all the time. I mean, yeah. it's where it's like when you eat plain plain food or, or more natural food in this natural state. Yeah, it's a, it's a whole lot better for you. I, I want to take it a little bit different direction there, but like okay. bodybuilders. Yeah, it's one of the things that I know about like a, a bodybuilders that they had this clean diet all the way up to these. You know, they got their weigh-ins and stuff like that. They're there, but now when they're getting ready to go on stage, I, I, I again I've heard all these stories of all the junk that they put in because it makes their veins and makes their muscles yeah, yeah, yeah pop pop and again that's where can you can you elaborate about that just a little bit what uh they go from being so strict so good to where it's not like, like ah they're like garbage it out almost on, on some stuff yeah no it's 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 you know one of the most unhealthy sports it's on some level because these guys have to do nothing but eat 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 to gain the weight and then they get ready to contest and then they just cut 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 and then they do some of these crazy things to make their skin, you know, to make the veins pop out. Like they'll have shots or they'll have, you know, um, high sugar content, you know, and they'll use drugs. They'll use, you know, uh, diuretics to get the water out. And then they'll hit something along with that to make their veins pop. So there's people that have died from that. And it's just, you know, again, there's gotta be a, a smart way to do it. I've been out of that for 30 years. I thank God that um, Vision Quest made me drop weight three times because after that, I never went back to bodybuilding. And, you know, if you're going to be a bodybuilder, yeah, you think it's healthy. Well, listen, folks, you're going to have to be on some some pretty heavy, hardcore, you know, steroids to maintain that body. You know, I mean, there's a few natural lifters. Good luck. But you're never going to see those natural lifters win at like the Olympia or one of those yeah. major events, it's all going to be based on steroid use. And so there you go. As far as, yeah, their diet is pretty clean. They really watch what they have, but they're also doing steroids, which are damaging their livers and, and possibly other things as well. All right. Let me jump. <laughs> all right. Jump. What about those uh, alkaline waters? You know, where they add alkali to the water, uh, the 9.0 or 8.5% alkaline. Yeah, I have a I have a machine uh, that I really love, and it's uh, got two pre filters, and that take out the the arsenic, lead, nickel, all the heavy metals, fluoride. It takes all that out of the water, and then it's got two other internal filters to continue to clean water that is just municipal water. It goes across a titanium plate that activates and that puts can't natural electricity. Huh? A Kangen? Yeah, like a, it's like a Kangen, but it's not. I, I don't use Kangen because they're an MLM and their price of their um, machine is about double what the machine that I recommend, which is Life Ionizers. And Life Ionizers, I've had one for over 15 years that I that we just had it refurbished and Nick is using it now, Nick Suriano. And that is one of the biggest keys because there's forms, there's four different forms of water. There's liquid, there's ice, which is hard. There's gas, and they're structured, and that allows structured water. Actually, allows you to do an intracellular exchange, so you can actually hydrate on an intracellular level. And the extra hydrogen on the cell or the wall, um, the water molecule, acts as a free radical scavenger. 
So now you've got an antioxidant. Now you've got better hydration on a cellular level. And <clears throat> that thing is really important that, uh, th for the athletes. Hydration, we're at 70, 80% water, absolutely important. What, this, what they do, what they make a mistake doing is they'll have alkaline water at dinner, you know, with a meal. Because what you're doing is now you're going to alkalize your gut. Well, my stomach is supposed to be acidic. When you drink a really high alkaline water with a meal, you're going to just completely alkalize your gut. So then it's not going to break your food down. Now you're not going to get the nutrients. And it's supposed to go acid stomach, and then it comes out of the next, then it becomes alkaline, then it goes back and forth throughout your intestines. And if it doesn't have that in your gut, it's not going to break down. Now it's not going to have the ability to be utilized in the intestines at the, you know, at that level it's not you're just not going to absorb nutrients because it's going to go bowl right through there so don't drink this is what i want to say don't drink out super high alkaline water at meals i like a little bit higher alkaline uh water when i work out because what are you doing you're producing lactic acid so it can counter that and i'll also include amino acids i'll also include electrolytes i'll also include some green tea and maybe a small amount of uh, manuka honey so that I get the glycogen debt while I'm working out, get the amino acids while I'm working out. I get the electrolytes while I'm working out. I don't wait until that post window where everybody says, oh, you've got this magical window where you need to absorb certain things. That's when you want to take your proteins. Well, it takes an hour and a half for you to break down and utilize your protein. You miss the window. What about, okay, what about if you, if you, during your, your meal, what if you have in your, 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 glass of water if you just add i don't know maybe, maybe just a, a little bit of apple cider vinegar because of the acidicness would that be something good would it be, would that be something that you'd recommend to have a little bit more of acids for again for the breaking down of the of the meal that you're taking on in but, but then maybe later on you know a couple hours later because i know that by taking like baking soda put that in the water, it throws the alkalinity way out, up to where now your, your meal is a couple hours, you're past it. Uh, hopefully things should be broken down. Would you, yay, day, what's your thoughts on something like that? Um, they talk about uh, putting in the um, baking soda in your morning drink will help you kind of, you know, supercharge your metabolism. That's one thing. I've heard that, the, you know, understanding that, you know, you can use apple cider vinegar to help with your blood sugar handling. That's where I would use that primarily. I have digestive enzymes that I use for specific purposes. There's ones that are built. Some people's don't have, some people do not have the ability to break down carbohydrates. Other people don't know how to break down proteins. And then there's one that is a combination of the two plus a little glutamine, which will help with the tight junctions in the gut. So I have digestive enzymes. And as you get older, you just don't produce that enough, enough digestive enzymes. That's why as we get older, we have tendency not to, eat as much or not really to break down then what we eat so we start losing muscle mass so we want to as we get older want to have better digestive enzymes you can do things to stimulate your your enzyme production you know like uh like uh some of the ginger and peel some like uh, orange peels and stuff like that that are in like bitters if you've had bitters before that was that's the reason that bitters were invented a long time ago is to activate and stimulate your own digestive juices to be produced so i i'm a big fan of 
having digestive enzymes, you know, it, with each meal. Um, I'll go, you know, some days I won't, some days I will. But if I have a big meal, then I used to always, I always will. If I, I usually try and stay away from gluten, you know, not that Dan ate a whole gluten uh, thing before we started, but uh, pizza, pizza is a monster and it's hard to break down because it's got the several of the, what I call pro-inflammatory foods. And then eight pro-inflammatory foods. Let's start there. Gluten, soy, dairy, corn, peanuts. Some people have problems with eggs, artificial sweeteners and sweeteners. When I used to do blood tests, this is what I did. Yeah, you gotta get one, one, one of my big snacks all the time is just having. I like just having peanuts all the time. You know, so just switch, for a snack. Switch to uh, you know you all uh, almonds, walnuts, uh, macadamia yeah. nuts. Much better choice. Walnuts have the highest um, essential fatty acid um, omega threes. Good for your heart, right? Too walnuts. Walnuts good for okay. the heart. So gotcha. it's a healthy fat. It has a healthy fat. The reason uh, peanuts usually is because they have aflatoxin, even if they're organic. So you're gonna, you want to take some aflatoxin in, go ahead and have your peanuts, enjoy them. Um, but if you want to do better, I'd say almonds are a little bit better, macadamia nuts, walnuts, better choices. How about cashews? Cashews are, are just don't have a lot of nutrients in them. Yeah, okay. You know, they really, really don't. So <laughs> I don't... It's, like they're like it's you know have a snack. It's like man, I'll have a white banana. It's like usually the white foods to try and avoid. Yeah, white sugar, white flour, flour, white potatoes. You know, I think I, I you touched on a subject that that allergies. I think I'm I, I think I'm allergic to buffets. I tend to break out in fat. <laughs> yeah, fat. You get violent too while you're in there. You get really violent. You know, just trying yeah, to. So I, oh, yeah. I go say, don't. Yeah, elbow, I go elbow, say, get away. I'm going to yeah. get my. Get, get, get out of my way. Get out of my way. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. when I would do my seminars, you know, for um, recertification, I would go to these different seminars and they would do buffets. Man, if I had one piece of bread or I had pasta, when second half, I'd be there to all of a sudden. And it just, it just knocks me out. I just go down for the count. If I just have vegetables and protein, salad, I'm wide awake. Yeah. Well, so, again, that naughty day that you did right there, usually that's me at Thanksgiving time with all that turkey meat into me because it has... You know, the, 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 yes, exactly. So the sleep agent. So I always tell people that after that big turkey meal, I'm on the couch pretending I'm watching that big football game. <laughs> I'm snoring is what I'm doing. I'm, I'm asleep. You got yeah, everybody fooled. You, you had those glasses with the eyeballs on them. So, yeah, everybody's. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, uh, very educational there. Uh, I really enjoyed this, uh, just this whole talk there. Now, how much is uh, a session with you? So, right now, because it's, I, I've gotten a lot of offers recently and, and I'm going to have to kind of see where I can go with it and how much I can do. But right now I'm charging $200 for the first session. It's an hour and a half or an hour and then follow-ups every like two weeks. And that's about a hundred dollars for between 15 and 30 minutes to recheck, recheck the doses, check in on the person, see how they're doing, see what's happening in their sleep cycle, see if they're keeping up with everything that I'm asking them to do. Is there anything else we need to add? Is there anything we need to take away? That's what those are designed to do. So I'm very affordable. I'm not insane yet, but if um, 
things happen the way they're looking like i'm gonna have very limited time yeah, after after days. after you've been on our show you're, you're this is that this, this is gonna be a big breakout yeah. moment this you know? is, uh you're gone buddy <laughs> yeah well, you're the new elon musk you know uh, you can talk to my assistant. Yes. I'm too busy. Well. Of course. <laughs> yes. Very well. Well, well again, well, 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 let's plug, okay, the T-shirts that you're wearing right now, you said you can get that at shootshirts.com, shoot, S-H-U-T-E, shirts, S-H-I-R-T-S.com, correct? That's correct. And then you said then, then, then if you're interested in to reach you there for any kind of health questions, if, if they'd like to simply get your services, uh, again, it's Osani at OsaniHealth.com. But uh, you said, again, make sure that you spell it correctly because I don't know if I wrote it down correctly for you. It's O-S-A-N-I, Osani. Osani at OsaniHealth.com. That's it, bro. And it means love. It means love, baby. (laughs) Gotta give the love. My little big miss. I love you, baby. (laughs) Otherwise, I'll kill you. (laughs) With a a poison dart. Uh-huh. That's my stuff. I kill you. Call me Francis. Yeah, I kill you. Yeah, the poison, the yeah, poison, he, the the Cupid with the poison put the, dart. Put the pygmies here right now. Pygmy was pygmy with, with love. Yeah. So, yeah. Don, any other last uh, bit of questions right there for for Mister Frank Jasper? Well, hell, I just. I, I I could I could get I could go into all kinds of different other aspects right now. I, I I love talking nutrition. We're talking wrestling. We're talking just basically again. Oh, here we go. The aging person right now. Uh, those seniors, anyone over that fifty years of age. What what are your feelings about like uh, HGH, human growth hormone? Human growth hormone. So there's there's ten ten natural ways to activate your HGH levels. So there's, I would say, do be working on those. Anytime you do an external source, exogenous source that's coming in, it can feed lots of things you don't want it to feed. Ooh, Tumors, okay. cancers, things of that nature. So you have to be very mindful if you're going to go on HGH that the dose is, is, is not too high and you have to really be monitored, be really smart. I like things that actually stimulate your own body's HGH production. There's a product I use called Somaderm. I think that's a, one of the best things out there. It's a topical. It goes right through the skin. It activates and stimulates your own production. Uh, you can do intermittent fasting. You can do HIIT training. You can do squats, presses. Uh, I mean, I should say squats, cleans. Um, I'm trying to think what I, there was like three different basic movements. There are heavy movements that, you know, you definitely have to use your legs in. You can do deadlift, squats, and cleans. Those will also activate your HGH. I get concerned because people like to try and put too much weight. They lose form. And when they do a CrossFit, they push themselves so far that they lose form. That's when you're going to injure yourself. So if you're in CrossFit, please hear me. Do your best. Be competitive. Don't lose your form. And it'll save your shoulder, your knee, your back at some point. Now, why do you do those exercises? Because of the uh, power, you know, that you have to use for it? Or? So when you when you have to engage your legs, your quads primarily, you engage, engage large muscle groups in the body. When you activate that, then it activates your HGH production. So that's one reason. Um, you can also do it with, a, you know, a sauna. If you do, there's a, there's a, if you do a sauna um, an hour a day, um, twice a day for four days and then it starts to increase your hgh production by at least four times why is that so, 
It's just it's just the fact that it's been, your body's being challenged and it's trying to recover from that and from the heat and it's just stimulates it. Your body ends up going into the you know let's let's re, let's regenerate and so that's when it starts producing the HGH. You can also do like uh, uh, like I said, hit training, which is like high intensity training that will also activate your HGH levels. And there's a window of about from 10 to 12 midnight. That's when you produce most of your HGH and then it'll, it'll surge on and off throughout the night. So sleeping at the right times, getting enough sleep, seven to nine hours of sleep every night. It's key. Okay. Do you, okay. Do you actually abide by that one? I mean, you told me about all the work you were doing before that, that you're working two different jobs and, and you guys, yeah. you only had a window for maybe maybe five or six hours of sleep, period. So that's what I was falling apart when your body doesn't get the right amount of sleep. This could be a whole study, this could be a whole conversation in an hour plus. Oh, Every okay. little bit of sleep that you get and you're not getting will have an impact. Even if you miss one hour, they actually have shown that if you go to daylight savings time when they lose the hour, there's an increase of heart attacks. And then when they jump back to get that extra hour, there's a reduction of heart attacks in general. That's the greatest study that's ever been done. It proves that just even missing one hour of sleep, quality sleep can be harmful. So what do I try and do? I try and get the seven to nine every night. Doesn't happen every night, but like when I'm traveling, I'm doing events, sometimes I don't sleep well. Sometimes I stay up late. It's, you know, it, I have to recover, but it's, it's important. If you can get seven to nine, you're doing good. Oh, we might have to, Don, we may have to bring back uh, Frank on another session just to go into another segment right here. But again, hopefully that this kicks loose a lot more people that uh, become aware that there's a lot of things that you could do naturally. Do a nap, does, a, does a nap in the afternoon uh, count? <laughs> Counts for me. Yeah, I, I do better in the afternoon. So sometimes that, you know, twenty minute map. If you go too long, then it can be detrimental. But there was a, um, an understanding that you, if you get twenty minutes at the pop, that that's really beneficial. So you can do those. I actually have patients do a twenty minute adrenal pose twice a day to regenerate their adrenals, help to reset that, help to reset their central nervous system. And it's just doing nothing but laying on your flat on your back, legs at 90 degrees, shins at 90 degrees from that. Like just put pillows under your legs, lay on your back, breathe from your belly and just say, this is me breathing in. This is me breathing out for 20 minutes. Wow. That resets the whole system. Yeah, I know that uh, my back gets real bad. Uh, I'll just go lay down. I'll call it 10 minutes, but it ends up being about 20. <laughs> yeah, set your, you know, set your alarm. If you don't, you do more than 20, then you can start to get a little fatigued from a nap sometimes. But well, 20 not, minutes is the key. That's kind of the key number for the naps. Yeah, but uh, I'm not even a little falling, longer. I'm not even falling asleep. I'm just laying down for 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you, rest you don't back. fall asleep. You just lay down for 20 minutes and breathe in your lower abdomen. You'll see big benefits. Okay. Yeah. Cause that's, yeah. That, that's helped my back, you know, throughout the whole time, you know, because what it does is it decompresses the, the right. low back. And, right. and so it's less of the fluid to kind of flow. And so if you can raise your legs and, and get that pressure off, yeah. you know, adjust the pelvis just a little, it kind of drops back. So you get a nice clean flow through there. Now you're getting circulation again. As soon as you stand up, you're compressing things, yep. you're compacting things. You, you know, there's tightness and those nerves are getting pinched and pinched. So you got to lay on your back, 
Let him breathe, baby. Well, what about the upside down gimmick then? It, so I just. <laughs> so you can do one of those inversion tables. I just don't like the concept of hanging from my ankles from the conversion tables because that means then the um, the ligaments in my ankles will stretch, the ligaments in my knees will stretch, and I only want the low back. So I I have this thing that I I've got a a pull up bar, but I've hung a, one of those silk um things that you see Cirque du Soleil do their tricks on you're talking about a sex you're talking a sex cage aren't you yeah that's right so you know <laughs> so Cirque du Soleil is it has these 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 um silk things that that they stretch one direction but not the other so you sit on that you put it in your low back and then you can lay back put your legs up and now you're hanging from your hips your yeah. pelvis you're not hanging from your ankles. You're not hanging from your knees. I just get concerned when you hang too long because if you're opening up your low back, you're also stretching those ligaments and ankles and knees, and you don't want to do that. Good enough? Good enough. All right. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, it's a good thing you ate that pizza, man. We rocked. Hell yeah. Two and a half going. hours. <laughs> well, that and the beer and the, the cigar, you know. So. There you go. You got to get... By the way, do you know that there's, if you ever want to just have pure, just good nicotine that's healthy? Yeah. Not the, you can, you know, smoking the cigar. I used to smoke cigars. And I, I really enjoyed the cigar, and I can see you do. But if, you, if you're trying to cut down on that, but you still want to get the nicotine, there's a company called Lucy, L-U-C-Y dot com, dot C-O, just Lucy Co. And they give you different uh, amounts they give you in different forms of nicotine, but it's super clean. Not a, no junk, no toxins, anything like that. They have lozenges. They have they have little pouches. They have um, gum. Well, that'd be good so for an airplane. Be good for an airplane yeah. ride uh, across the ocean. Huh? Exactly. Well, uh, I'll show you real quick. So there's the, there's the company. It's just a real simple Lucy. Lucy <laughs> Go. Lucy. There it is. There's the chewing gum. Wow. This one is this one's got pomegranate. They've got mint ones. They've got you know. These this is the cutting edge. These guys are super clean. Well, putting my patients on that that are trying to cut, you know, quit smoking. It's also, by the way, Dan, uh Don, it's uh uh, nicotine is considered a nootropic, which means it makes your brain function better. Right, right. Really? Have you ever drink Smoke coffee with your cigars or no? Yes, yes. So there's uh, there's this balance between caffeine and nicotine. Yeah. So my dad, and I'll tell you, sorry, then I got to go. Uh, my dad was a um, two-pack-a-day, Paul Mall studs, no filters, and a quart of coffee a day. I never saw him drink a, a glass of water my entire life. Yeah. <laughs> um, but at one point he decided he wanted to quit smoking and he did. And he had like a minor heart attack. And he says, that was because I quit smoking and nobody was like, nobody believed him. Right. <laughs> then I go to my chemistry class and my, you know, when I'm studying to become a master's of oriental medicine. And one of the things they say is that they, they balance each other out. So if you're having nicotine, caffeine will bring that into balance and if you're having caffeine nicotine will bring that into balance so if you're missing one of those 
So he was missing the nicotine, but he was still drinking the caffeine. Right. So he was getting jacked up and his heart. <laughs> the nicotine would bring that down. Hmm. So he was right. Who knew? Yeah. Well, the, old, the reason he got a heart attack was because he quit smoking. Well, them old them old people knew shit that we didn't that we didn't shit we, we didn't understand. You know, they 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 had it down. So now, and also, caffeine's a nootropic. So you got caffeine and nicotine. Right. So anyway, check that out. Let me know how that goes for you, brother. All right, partner. Thanks a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's okay. I'll throw a little wrap up here. Okay. This concludes another episode of Toxic Masculinity, where we had our special guest here, Mr. Frank Jasper, who we knew from uh, the movie Vision Quest as the character known as Shoots. Shoot. So, but uh, you want to wrestle you know, Shoot? But movie. Nobody movie, wants to wrestle Shoot. Yes. <laughs> we, a, a movie actor. But I think we spent a lot more time basically talking about nutrition yeah. and uh, bodybuilding and there's all kinds of other cool things. If you want to uh, reach out, uh, you know, look at it for his uh, the T-shirts that he has. He's got uh, shootshirts.com, S-H-U-T-E, shirts.com. And if you want to learn more about uh, health and nutrition, you can reach him through the Osani at osanihealth.com. Osani spelled O-S-A-N-I at osanihealth.com and osani means love. love. I can, do, I, do, I, do I have to make that little heart symbol uh, here? Please don't. Please, don't. please don't. I hate that. That right. irritates me more than anything. Yeah. Uh, Frank, I, I really enjoyed uh, tonight, uh, just having this opportunity to speak with you and uh, just elaborate more about your career, but then also again, I, I, I'm actually picking your mind the way Don was picking your mind for you know, health-wise and stuff like yeah, that. What should yeah. we be doing? What should we not be doing? Especially at ages, and what the what is our intentions? What we ought to do with the with the uh, uh, you know the better health and things of that nature. Because everybody wants to live as long as possible, and you want to have good health while you're living. Simply sitting around and drooling down your chin is not what I want to do. I know. So, and you guys are on it, man. You're on it with the stem cells. You know, that's that's the fountain of youth. That's a great thing to be putting through your system. Um, I think they could have done that instead of uh, vaccines to some degree. Now, don't put that out there, but okay. Yeah. But Mr. Frank, yeah. Yeah. You're, you're giving false information. You're going to get the truth, <laughs> the truth seminar doctor or whatever it is. The, yeah, yeah. After you. The, yeah. The, they'll put you at the rack there. They have to re-educate you there. Yeah, they'll pull my license. <laughs> yeah. Well, Fr Mr. Frank Jasper, really appreciate you being on tonight's episode. So hopefully we didn't take you too long so that uh, the better half is not angry at, at you or, or us here in the process because we there's always a higher power that we all have to answer to. Yeah. yeah. All yeah. right. Go, much, go, go do your dusting, your vacuuming, your dishes, you clean the toilets. Uh, you know, say hi to the wife for us. Thank you for watching another episode of Dan and Don's Toxic Masculinity. You better like, subscribe, and share, or I'm going to come to your house.